Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Good evening, everybody, and welcome along to our latest edition of Midweek Motorsport. It is Series 15, Episode 43. So last week was the answer to everything. This week, kind of between that and Stars on 45, which will be in two weeks' time. Uh, just after 8 o'clock in the UK, good to have your company tonight. And Tim Gray is up in London, and on a packed show this evening, Tim, we have what? Uh, we have all the usual features, John. Excellent, excellent. Uh, we'll be joined by uh, some of our regular guests. Uh, we'll be doing uh, news, we'll be doing calendar news, we'll have a pointless press release of the week, uh, nominated by uh, the lovely Shay Adam. Uh, oh! Yes. Uh we will uh, be talking about some things that happened last weekend. We're going to talk about some things that are going to happen this weekend as well. Uh, let's, before we get into the show, say hello to Brody, who has no apologies for absence this evening, making a start on his winter project whilst tuning in, which appears to be a really nice Carrera White 944 with the cut and cutter alloys. He's had the Kersher out on it already. And already, I'm very, very excited about that, Brody. I need to know more When you say Kersher, you don't that. mean a leaf blower, do you? No, I don't. I'm, I mean a, a washer. The alloys are fantastic. And it's got the full... Ki- That's not... No, it's not a turbo, is it? It's got the... On the picture he sent me, it's got the wing mirrors pulled around. I really like that. I hope that's got the houndstooth check as well. Uh, hello to Laura Platman, who is researching uh, the nine women that raced at Le Mans in 1935 uh, for her virtual Bugatti talk on the 14th of November. Uh, hello to David Glamfield. He said, I've just got to catch the Historic Racing News podcast from last week. Got to say, it was a really good listen. Format was good, like eavesdropping on a conversation between two motor racing fans subscribed well that's what we're always looking for here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels well done to Paul and Paul that's Tarsi and Judd for that EFAs for the mighty rams are on to mighty lambs he says at the moment why do I do this to myself you Stephen and Declan Brennan who's also a Derby County fan uh, Chris Suku has no apologies for absence tonight looking forward to the show uh, as a crummy, warm mochila and chorizo salad with assorted toasted seeds. I'm not sure what to make of that, to be quite honest. Uh, Ian McCarthy says, No AFAs makes a nice change 
tuning in uh, live tonight. Thank you, as always, for a great weekend's IMSA coverage, and we will have a review of the IMSA coverage. By the way, the uh, Thrapston Towers, the Hindhoff Towers studio, uh, now with additional screens, and has been election central. And I did say election there, by the way, just in case you heard wrong. Uh, I, I stayed up till 5 a.m. in the morning, got up again at about 8 and I've been following that through. I've got virtual maps and everything going on here. Um, it's just like an endurance race, isn't it? The stagger's starting to unwind. I've been absolutely enthralled by it. But in uh, the sense Alexander it's not going to be over for several more days, it's more like a rally. Well, yeah, no, no, that's fine. Actually, nothing nothing is, is uh, through post-race tech until the 1st of December, to be honest, in most states. So, you know, uh, Alexander up oh, more about post-race tech later. Not our post-race tech, but IMSA's. Alexander Ork says, EFA's tonight enjoying a lovely supper in a local Italian restaurant with Freya. I'll look forward to the podcast. Do it while you can, Alexander. And well done for supporting local businesses. Dave Monks says, EFA's catching the podcast while I'm fundraising for Mission Motorsport. Hashtag your ROR on Saturday. I'm hiking 50 kilometres in the cold and rain around a Bavarian lake. You don't know it's going to be cold and... Oh, no, hang on, what am I saying? Uh, Serafina says... Dave, thank you for that. Um, some race of remembrance use as well this evening. Thank, thank you. Uh, Serafina says, unsurprisingly still working, uh, but always appreciate the Wednesday evening company. Serafina, when you can, it's fine. Uh, Buen Appetito, says Chris Succo. Uh, and Jack Martin is saying good morning, because he's on the other side of the world and in the future. Kevin Payne says, anybody else doing the dad dancing to Seashell Sanctuary just can't help it, which is worrying, because I have that in my ringtone. Yes, excellent. Excellent stuff. Uh, there. Uh, Gufflemont says, all present and correct. After a very nice supper of cauliflower cheese. Oh, we had cauliflower cheese here as well. Uh, homemade by the responsible adult, of course. The brilliantly named Entropy Nebula. No AFAs there listening whilst fitting delay pedal into pedal board. Nick didn't mention Lewis breaking the world record. The win record last week. Love to hear his thoughts tonight. Don't worry, you will. Dave Alcock. Uh, is looking forward to the sanity of midweek motorsport this week, which just goes to show how insane the rest of the world is. If you're looking forward to sanity from this two hours... Maybe you asked uh, them to the slipping, John. Well, yes, maybe we have to be slightly less. Uh, maybe Brody, we'll need to find some news in Spanish in a quiz show. Yes. Uh, Brody, who was listening earlier, it's a 2.5 looks, so a few rust issues creeping in, time to get them sorted on that lovely 944. I need to go and see that. Brody, you'll be delighted to know, as a air-cooled fan, that the 993 did nearly 500 miles on Monday in a return trip to get the computer from GFD Computing up in Riot near Sunderland from Gary Dodds, our official computer supplier and IT uh, support to <laughs> Radio Show Limited. And it went brilliantly well, despite the fact that it hasn't been out for far too long. Uh, Ted the Toyman, listening live from tomorrow, just woke up. Jules Outbridge, no FA, EFAs tonight. A 30-hour shift done 
election broadcast complete, says Jules. Well done, mate. Uh, Jean Chauvet. JJ, how are you doing, mate? Good evening from Vienna. Still in one piece. And our thoughts to everybody in Vienna at the moment after trying few days if you haven't been catching up with world events do so Sarah Rigby is in the home of Bentley the home of Nick's new engine in his new car uh, and possibly the seats as well uh, lucky enough to be in the home in time for work this evening so tuned in really enjoyed the close racing during the Michelin race uh, IMPC WeatherTech Raceway etc etc well done uh, and uh, Moni is dancing in my kitchen on the lunch break while tuned in. Monica, nice to know you there. Hope you and Billy are all right. Ian McCarthy, we've mentioned. Uh, and, oh, oh, hang on. Oh, Entropy Nebula has sent me a picture of his pedal board. And as a guitarist, a bad guitarist, but I have, I have pedal board envy on that. Add Specutainment if you would like to get in touch with us. Tim Gray is going to shuffle his uh, shuffle his papers. No recounts necessary or absentee ballots. We're ready to go with the top story. Tim, what do you have? All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And well, here is the top story. Obviously, we don't use paper anymore. We haven't used paper for years. It's all done on screens. So maybe shuffling papers is an outdated term. I've still got paper, bit. Maybe, so I, should, listen, maybe listen. I should do a swiping left or right. I have paper. I even have a little, nice little... In fact, I gave you one for Christmas a couple of years ago. Yes, I have a, a pad nice, holder. A little, yes, well, I have paper on that. Yes. Do you have your pad on that? No. Bamboo, it's nice. It's not even in the studio. It's in a different oh. room altogether. Well, do you know... What I do have here is a massive collection of pens... Right. Because is this going somewhere, or or do I just have to leave this and let you let you do it yourself? Because uh, Kerry, one of our producers, um, every time she comes uh, to do a shift here, she brings a pen with her and leaves it here. So Excellent. There are all sorts of. Uh, is that of like pens. teaspoons? Teaspoons in our no, house sure go missing. Go missing. They're they're going the other yes. way. Yes. Yes, exactly. Teaspoons run away, pens come... B- See, that's very odd. And over the weekend I've of the Nürburgring 24, a fork has gone. So I want to know which of the commentators is a fork thief. <laughs> so many things I could say about that. What's the top story? <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, we're going to start with What's some junior single-seater racing, John. Excellent. Uh, it was the Walter Hayes Trophy at Silverstone at the weekend. Is Walter Hayes any relation to... Anybody else Hayes that we might know? Uh, I'm just trying to think. Do I know any other Hayes? Hang on. Melvin Hayes? No. No. Meet the gang. Because the boys are here. here. But more important, supporting in the most fabulous bust-based summer holiday base film, Summer Holiday. Hmm. Why is everyone talking about Summer Holiday suddenly? Because we're all ready for it. Anyway, move on. So, uh, Ollie White <laughs> was I'm the so winner for Solely Motorsport. Yeah. Uh, ahead of still, sorry, that's a Formula Ford. By the way, for those of you outside of the UK or who don't understand junior single-seaters, this is 
the one of the two biggest Formula Ford events the in the world. Formula Ford 1600. Right. The Formula Ford Festival is still the most prestigious. The Walter Hayes has more entries, I think. Is that right? I think that's correct. Uh, mainly because I believe they're at the allowed weekend. to have more people correct. Uh, starting at Silverstone than they can on the Indy course at Brands Hatch, where single-seaters are limited to 30. Joe Bradley was there at the weekend and got very cold, very wet, very cold, very wet, and then dried out several times. And he that's looked exactly what should happen at the Walter Hayes Trophy. I, I agree, agree you know, heart-holdedly, yes, indeed. Uh, Neil McLennan finished second, and Bryce Aaron, who is one of the uh, Team USA scholarship drivers, was mm. third. Magnificent. Uh, uh, for, 40 his, way up through the semis. That is final outing uh, in the UK. He's been here all point. year now. <laughs> it feels like it. He came over in March, didn't he? We had an interview with him earlier uh, in the year. Um, I I was hoping to get in touch with the guys from the team USA Scholarship um, after the Walter Hayes, but uh, I haven't been able to do so. So they might well be on a plane back to the States at the moment. Uh, once they land, we will uh, talk to them and uh, bring you that on a future agree. episode of Midweek Motorsport. Uh, the weekend was overshadowed by an accident in the last chance race, though, which left the veteran mm. Scottish driver Colin Turner with life-changing injuries. Uh, Colin, who has a birthday tomorrow, suffered a bleed on the brain, broken vertebrae and sternum, and doctors in a marathon operation yesterday were unable to save his legs uh, following further surgery at Coventry Hospital. Two other uh, drivers... Tim, uh, Sorry, go ahead, in the accident, Tim. Dean Ford and Ken Finneran were treated for their injuries on Sunday but have since returned home. And Tim has quite rightly put the uh, fundraising link on the Listeners Collective. So Radio Show, Listener, uh, Radio Show Limited Listeners Collective on Facebook. We get, often, don't we, we see a lot of celebrity endorsement for a variety of fundraising for people. I have a suspicion that this will not get the celebrity endorsement and it will be lovely and I accept that this is a difficult time for everybody and that we have all, in some ways, got a little bit of fundraising. You know, we've, we've all been asked a lot for fundraising. However, this is something that... As a motorsport fan, as a grassroots motorsport fan, if you're listening to this now, as you must be, clearly, please, please, please support it. It's really, really important. They've already exceeded one target. They set a new target, and they're 73% of the way there. Uh, it's not a lot of money yesterday. they're asking for, though, Tim, is it? It isn't, no. Um, and a number not of, in the big um, scheme of things. A number of very well-known people from the world of motorsports uh, have already donated. Um, I should hope so. And more importantly, are publicising it uh, on their social media, which uh, I'd suggest Good. all of you do as well. Yeah, pass it on. Um, you know, if you uh, it's going to increase its uh, awareness. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely agree. Uh, and we wish the best to Colin and his and his family in all of this. Uh, there's obviously life changing inju injuries for Colin, but his family have got to deal with it uh, as well. Uh, okay, Tim. Uh, thank you, and thank you for taking that initiative. By the way, uh, moving on. 
another injured driver, this time in Japan. Uh, mm. Shinichi Takaji uh, would undergo surgery tomorrow after sustaining a broken back and right wrist in an accident during the Super Taiku 3 hours of Okayama on Sunday. Takaji was taken to Okayama University Hospital and will be out of action for at least a month, ruling him out of the final two rounds of the Autobac Super GT series, which uh, are this weekend at the Twin Ring Mategi, and uh, in three weeks' time at uh, Fuji Speedway. Uh, he said, I can't move right now, but please be assured I'm in good spirits. I'll be having surgery on Thursday, and we'll let you know how things are going after the surgery when things settle down. I hope to be able to report back to you soon. Takaji is the defending GT300 champion in, GT, in Super GT with his co-driver Toshiko Oyu and is currently ranked third in the Drivers' Championship this season, 13 points behind Noya Gamu and Togo Suganami. Uh, the F2 race winner Nobuharu Matsushita will stand in for Takagi uh, at the uh, final two rounds of the year. Takagi hasn't missed a Super GT race since May 2000. More than 20 uh, years he's been ever present. Extraordinary. Uh, just a quick note, by the way, um, about Collins' injuries. Uh, Duncan Vincent has just tweeted the Just Giving page, the crowdfunding page. I've retweeted it at Speculatement. If you're not on Facebook, and I know a few people who aren't, please go and look at that at Speculatement. And if there's any help you can give, however small, um, it, it, there's no there's no such thing as a small donation. It's just a a donation uh, to Colin and we wish him all all the best uh, in that Duncan thank you for for tweeting that you're listening to Midweek Motorsport it is uh, series 15 episode 43 Tim Gray is up in London and where would you like to go next uh, well for the next story I will need an American really yes um, where Do are we, we going one? to uh, an American an Hands American in the air everyone oh I see someone uh, with her hands in the air over there. Hang on. Hello, Shay Adam. Pick me. Pick me. You meant to say it. You've got one word to say. You've just built up your part there. Have we got Shay Adam? Hello, Shay Adam. Hello. There you go. There are certain things on this show, Shay, that are sacrosanct, and you went outside that there. <laughs> However, she did well, maintain... Well, times. You did maintain. <laughs> you did maintain, Shay, your on-air enthusiasm, despite the fact that, that, that true. like many uh, Americans at the moment, you'll be uh, feeling emotions like being upset or angry or cheated by a corrupt and broken system, even defrauded. I've heard, um, and this is a group of Americans who feel this way because they're fans of Kevin Harvick. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I knew that wasn't going to be where you're going, Tim, because that is your form. Absolutely. What happened with KH at the weekend then? Uh, well, um, he is well... the winningest driver in uh, NASCAR this year. No, he's not, because that's not a word. It is, and it has been for a decade now. Look in the dictionary. Not on this programme. Is he the most successful in terms of overall victories? In, in terms of overall um, victories, yes. Right. What yeah, for this weekend? year. And he could still win another race this year, particularly given that the championship finale is at a track at which he has been very, very successful. But he's not able to go for the championship anymore because Martinsville didn't exactly go very well. And um, basically, his chances of winning the title came down at the end of a 500-lap race when he and Kyle Busch tangled up together. 
and Harvick was credited with 17th place, the last car on the lead lap, and most of his fans feel as if that wasn't exactly a fair thing to have happen. Uh, his teammates didn't really help him out, though, did they? No, but... Um... Yeah, he's he's not a big team player either, though, Tim. So I, I can't see the boot being on the other foot coming down well either. And uh, obviously the race was won by Chase Elliott, um, who should have been disqualified for cheating. Go, go on. I haven't heard that part. Uh, his front jack man was already over the wall before he came to a stop <gasps> in his pit stop. Ooh. Um, well, that is bad for which he should have received a penalty. And NASCAR awarded a penalty and then rescinded the penalty because apparently upon further investigation, although he did go over the wall, he then went back again. Huh. Well, that... The, I don't know how many times they've called that penalty, how many times they've called it back, to be honest. Um, but I understand why Kevin Harvick fans are upset because he won nine races this year out of uh, the shortened season, although they still have run pretty much a full calendar. Um, but it's one of those things that you, when they changed the the schedule and they moved it from Homestead being the last race to Phoenix, he thought, oh, great, well, Kevin Harvick's going to win the championship. And then he was actually in the running. And then it came down to a last couple of laps tangle with Kyle Busch, who himself was no longer in the running to defend his championship because he won it a year ago. Um, yeah, that's, that's a little bit messy, but there's no denying that Chase Elliott deserves a shot at the final four. I mean, he's been a, one of those great drivers all year too. Uh, the next race, the final race at Phoenix, as you say, is called the season finale 500. <laughs> I like that. That's clean and simple advertising. That's You're scrolling a... through your TV on Sunday and trying to find something to watch. We, we can't find a sponsor, so we're going to name it, uh, with a description. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it is brilliant. Um, so it's Chase Elliott for uh, Hendricks, who is going up against Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski for Penske, and then Denny Hamlin, the guy who's won the Daytona 500 three times now, including this year for that championship title. It's really difficult to try and pick out which one of them deserves it the most. But to be honest, this is NASCAR, and it's not always the guy who deserves it the most who comes home with the championship, and that's part of why we enjoy this Chase format. Uh, the thing uh, about the uh, season finale 500 is it's not 500 miles, and it's not 500 laps either. 500 minutes? Uh, 500, <laughs> 500, oh, 500, God, I hope not. 500 kilometres, almost. Oh, excellent. In in that oh. very American thing, it's a using kilometres. It's a 312-lap race, 312-mile <laughs> race as well, obviously being a one-mile oval. Yeah, that makes sense. 500 kilometers. Hmm. Well, that that is stretching a little bit. I wonder how they got to 312 laps if it was just to make it 500 something for a sponsorless race. <laughs> uh, also on the bill is the uh, season finale of the NASCAR Xfinity Series, which does have a sponsor. This is the Desert Diamond Casino West Valley 200, and this is 200 miles. The or stop! 200 laps. Stop! The what? Desert Diamond Casino <laughs> West Valley 200. Oh my God, that is phenomenal. That is one of the best. That's almost as good as the pork, the other white meat, 250. That is still <laughs> still my favourite ever. Now, this is a uh, Saturday night race. Uh, 
Um, as, know, as I think was the pork the other way at me, probably. 250. Do you know fairness. who the final four are <laughs> in uh, Xfinity, Shay? I do. Um, Chase Briscoe, who does. has had... Well, I, I, I do pay attention to that series. Order, but Chase Briscoe, go on. Chase Briscoe, who's won, um, oh my goodness, nine races this year, I think is his total now. He has had a very good season. Up against Justin Allgaier, another guy who's very successful, three wins on the year. Um, Justin Haley, maybe, is the other one. Um, and then Austin Sindrick, trying to go for a championship for Penske. And it's already been announced that Austin's going to be in the series again next year before he steps up into Cup full-time the following year with the Wood Brothers. So this is going to be a really interesting race to see how the two Ford drivers can handle the pressure versus the two Chevy. If you don't normally watch Xfinity, and I understand why, particularly if you're outside of the US uh, where it's difficult to watch, um, at the moment, particularly in the UK, because there is so much football, soccer, on the channel that normally shows uh, the NASCAR, then the Xfinity normally gets bumped onto their Freeview channel. And I watched Xfinity at the end... Uh, maybe the last 45 minutes or over the weekend when we were ready to do in between IMSA sessions. It's fabulous racing at Martinsville at the paperclip at the weekend. Apps thoroughly, thoroughly enthralling oval racing where the leaders were cutting through lap traffic and the, the gap would go out, it would come down. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and let's be honest, Austin Sindrick as an endurance racer, is one of our own as well, because we've seen him at Bathurst and, and various other places. There's a few reasons here why we should be keeping an eye on Xfinity at the moment. Oh, totally agree. And just considering that over the last couple of years in the Michelin Pilot Challenge, we've had Austin uh, coming back and forth to play, and he's somebody that we've been accustomed to having come and play in sports cars for quite some time. But even Chase Briscoe has come and run in the series and he, he's had his good moments. He's had his very, very bad moments uh, thinking of mid Ohio a couple of years ago, but he was also really good at Lime Rock. Uh, was that last year, two years ago, two years mm -hmm. ago, I guess it was. Um, it really is a springboard platform for these drivers to move up. Yes. Into the cup series, but also to spread their wings a little bit and to try and come over and do some different kinds of racing. And right now we're experiencing more of the, um, the people who are lower down on the food chain, I guess it's fair to say, the people who haven't earned their spots yet. We've got Haley Deegan who ran last weekend in the Michelin Pilot Challenge. But we, that's because the series are still going on as far as trucks and Xfinity are concerned. They're still racing every weekend. So it's opening up the opportunity for people who run perhaps an ARCA to come and run in sports cars. But I fully expect to see more of the Xfinity drivers back with us next year. Uh, a good point here from Peter Bester. Uh, by the way, Ted the Toy Man says, is NASCAR going metric trying to appeal to an international audience? Don't forget, <laughs> we aren't metric here in the UK, although I know you are in Australia. Uh, Peter Bester says, so both classes could be won by a chase. So both of the chases could be won by a chase, Shay. Yes, very good point. Yeah, Chase Elliott and uh, Chase Briscoe. And to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Mm -hmm. You listen to Midweek Motorsport. It's uh, uh, episode 43 of Series 15. Tim Gray is up in London. Shea Adam is on the line. And this is where Tim wants to go next. Well, Are we staying all, with NASCAR? I want to uh, give uh, 
Shay some more confidence because she sounded a bit tentative when she said that Justin Haley was the fourth driver, and Justin Haley is the fourth driver. Excellent. Um, and uh, while Phew. looking up Justin Haley, I came across a completely pointless statistic, uh, which, which is, is Justin Haley is having a career best season in 2020. Oh, this is only his second season. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, however, he has done something quite remarkable this year in that he's won three consecutive super speedway races, two at Talladega, one at Daytona. And only two drivers oh. in history have ever done that before, and both of them have the surname of Earnhardt. Hmm. And Dale Earnhardt, by the way, has just become an executive director of... Of iRacing. No, I did, am I right that... Is it, was it, is it named Justin, is it? Justin is, it is it right that he's just bought himself a 1950s airliner? Take his comet. Uh, very <laughs> good. I see what you did <laughs> Thank there. Thank you very much. 1960s, in fairness. No, it's 50s. 50s, was it? Yes. Okay. Uh, the final national the series <laughs> is the Gander RV and Outdoors <laughs> Truck Series. They have uh, the Lucas Oil oh, yeah. 150 on Friday. Uh, is that 150 miles, 150 laps, or 150 Ks? Two or 150 meters? Yes. Right, okay. Uh, 150 miles, 150 <laughs> laps. Uh, final four in that championship are... Uh, Sheldon Creed, Brent Moffat, Zane Smith, and the one I've actually heard of is Grant Enfinger. Indeed. I haven't been paying much attention to trucks this uh, year, uh, to be honest. Number 98, Thor Sport Racing F150. Uh, but but you did manage to know more than Nick, me, and most of our audience put together, to be honest. <laughs> Just knowing the first name of one driver would have been way out of my truck if you knowledge. Said Grant or Brett. It, basically, if you just go Chase, really, and chase. that's it. Is that there's not a chase, chase in that Chase? Chase Truckington. No, uh, no, no chases. Trucky Chasington. That's it, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Moving on. Adventures. Uh, uh, very good. Uh, that's all we're going to do uh, on NASCAR. And Shay will be back with more American stuff in the second hour. But for now, we can oh, say okay. goodbye to Shay. Bye, Shay. Bye. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll mention something that's coming up tomorrow. Oh, okay. Uh, what is coming up tomorrow? On uh, RS1, it's the Tour mm-hmm. Radio Show. Right. Uh, now, and what's on? Normally, this would be the week of uh, Ben and Lewis. Uh, That's the Americans. They are. Uh, but yes. they're busy doing something else. The counting votes, apparently. They're counting, yes. Yeah. Uh, so instead, uh, it will be Matt and Jordan uh, tomorrow night, and they're going to be talking about a set of course of Competizione World GT 2020 pack news, Dale Hart Jr.'s new role at iRacing, which uh, Nick just mentioned, mentioned. Uh, R-Factor 2's winter roadmap, the first DLC pack for Project Cars 3, and the latest news from the F1 eSports Championship and the NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series. That's the Toro Radio show tomorrow at 8pm here on RS1. And that is one of two programmes tonight, and we'll have Krillzy to tell you what's on on the grid a bit later on. It's Midweek Motorsport uh, Series 15 episode 43 on the 4th of November. If you're joining us live, thank you very much indeed. Uh, good to have your company tonight. Share Adam back in the second hour. We've got uh, some calendar. We've got quite a lot of calendar news coming in the second hour as well because Tim loves a good calendar, don't I you, do. Tim? I do. Just as you love a tweet, so give us some tweets. Uh, 
Uh, tweets at the moment. Uh, Brody said NASCAR had a kilometre race on the COVID return at Darlington. The first race was miles and the second race was kilometres. Yes, very good. A race for the chase for the cup and a thing, says Alan Prosser uh, with the two chasers. Yes, excellent, uh, excellent stuff. Uh, and you can get in touch with us here at Specutainment uh, if you would like to do so. We are live. Have we got football tonight, Shea? Uh, Nick's, uh, there Nick is, and yeah. Tim. It's Champions League. Is it? Championes, Championes. Yeah, it's the second B-half Wednesday games. You know. So, have we got some scores, Tim? Or do I need to do that very quickly just to you prove we are live? Just to prove we're live. Just to prove that we are live then, because we do like to do this. Uh, full-time 1-1, one, one, uh, full-time 2-1, uh, and then after half an hour, gone, it's 1-0, 0-2, 0-2, and I need to scroll down because there's far more of them than I was anticipating. 1-0, uh, 0-1, and 0-1. So again, the, uh, the home team's not doing as well as they weren't this time last week, but they all came back to do much better. But last night the home teams, the the home teams did very well. And those were the uh, ones that were away last week. Yeah, well, no, but I'm I'm talking about you know third tier uh, uh, of English teams. football. Absolutely. How did Gillingham get on last one night? One nil broke our run of five consecutive defeats. Were you home or away? Away. Oh wow, it's an away win as well. An away win. Because mm. you were doing quite well. You were up in the playoff places at one point, Nick. Yes, we. we what what that was what less than three weeks ago. Yes, what you have to do Six. is get people's hopes up and then dash them and then get them back up again and then dash them and then get back up again and then we all realise nothing's going to happen and just wait for the season to end. Mm. And just hope for mid-table and mediocrity. Repeat. And repeat. And, and uh, repeat. how are you doing in the Papa John's Trophy? Um, do, we start, do we start that tonight? Are we, are we topping it? Uh, very good. Oh, no, it's uh, FA Cup of the weekend, though, isn't it? It is the Football yeah. Association Challenge Cup with Emirates. Mm. Mm. Uh, anyway, Let's moving on. on. Let's no get back to the spot. En español. Ole. For midweek Olé. motorsport. Oh, so you have found some news in Spanish. I have. Okay. Well, I thought I had. <laughs> See, if you'd had it on paper, oh, I could look at it here. It's not on the, the running order that I wrote down with my pen. pen? Oh, yes, the pen. On the paper... Not one, of, not one of the pens from uh, Kerry, then? I No, I had Top Story, Walter Hayes, Super GT, NASCAR, and then something else. Not news in Spanish. Yeah. However, go on. I'm, I might not be able to bring you news in Spanish. We might have to delay oh. that. Well, no, you know. Um, you know, uh, give it one uh, more try. Is it Mariana? Was, was it, hang <laughs> on. Was it, was it sent in um, by post possibly several weeks ago? and no. And you're still waiting to, to open it? No? Okay, it's not going to... Uh, not, not right gonna turn lover, by the way. This on Twitter, at Speculatement. Uh, right turn lover, on the mark, particularly from Central Europe, Hobbs Ways, says, disappointing the race length, uh, the truck race length, was not measured in furlongs. That's outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Where would you like to go now, Tim, if we can't have Notathia on Espanol? On vivo. Olé. Well, yes. Uh, let's move on. Let's Well, he's already spoken several times. Let's uh, introduce formally Nick Damon. Our Formula One correspondent. Hooray! 
There we are. Hello. I know I've been commenting beforehand, but only as a kind of a yes. But you were off, just a, I was just off from the wings, really. Yes, you weren't as our F one correspondent at that no, point. I, I was a can I think up a cheap pun on people's names correspondent. Yeah, indeed, so which you're very good at. In Thank fairness. you very much. That's all right. <laughs> How is the Bentley engine? Marvelous, excellent, turbine smooth. Yeah, lovely, <laughs> as one would expect. Uh, Formula One. I haven't got a Bentley one, by the way. No, no, <laughs> no, no. but he has got a Bentley engine. Yeah, yeah. and very Bentley seats. They are. In fairness. <laughs> With the quilted thing on. Uh, at the weekend, Formula One was at another uh, track unsuitable for Formula One at Imola. Well, you say yes, this, John, but in fact, you said yeah. this on Sunday. Um, in fact, during, just at the start of the... Which uh, I watched with Nick. Yes, we watched it together. Just mm. at the start of the IMSA race, you said Formula One had been boring. And no, that hadn't. obviously... Angered. I said it wasn't entertaining. No, it was. You you obviously angered the racing gods with that because you were then presented with a largely boring f- uh, IMSA race. No, but it, but listen, uh, in endurance some kind racing of punishment for you. No, no, <laughs> endurance racing is not meant to be side by side. Endurance racing is meant to be. an event even in the shorter races which that one was which was 2040 minutes that the stagger plays out with the tactics and you possibly expect a bit of attrition in endurance racing due to unreliability however the IMSA race had had less issues with reliability than Formula 1 where a quarter of the field fell out due to straight unreliability in a race that lasted barely an hour and a half. Do you know how I know that the Imus race was dull? It wasn't dull at all. It was it was exciting and it was a proper endurance race. I, Where I did you get a quarter of the field dropped out? Five cars dropped out. But not for unreliability. Well, hang on, who drove into anybody? George no. Russell. George Russell drew, broke, the, broke, broke his own car. Kevin Magnussen retired with a headache and Max Verstappen had a tyre burst. That's unreliability. Ocon, it was a Ocon and Gasly he drove down. over something. Un- that's yet to be proved. Did you not and see the video they released yesterday? Oh, no, because basically Formula One couldn't find, despite the fact nothing was going on, couldn't find any... The only two interesting things that happened in the whole Grand Prix was Bottas running over the Ferrari bit, which nobody could decide what he'd run over, when quite obviously if it was on lap two at turn seven... It was a bit of Ferrari. It's the fastest and, and Ferrari have... we've seen this season. Well, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Actually, I like that. And oh, and the onboards are at least the thing that they have ISO'd and all um, the whole races of. And the offboard, the outboard uh, pictures of uh, Verstappen's tyre feeling or suspension feeling or whatever it was, which was actually pretty poor. Because they've got 150 cameras around the track. Not all of them are linked live. Anyway, they had to wait. Despite and not all back. of them pointing in the right place no, at the had, right I time. Don't, clearly, I don't. Th- I mean, I, I'm. I TV was awful. I disagree with John about the entertainment level of the race. I completely disagree with George. George with um, John oh, you about. Can call me George if you want. <laughs> no, I've got, well, but George got enough problems. Uh, with John about the uh, quality of the race and the, in- and the reliability. I do completely agree with John about the problematic slash rubbish camera work. It was awful. Didn't tell the story. Wasn't very good. But 
the race itself was very, I thought was very entertaining. Why did you find it entertaining? Because I love Formula One races. You did nothing but complain when you were sitting no, I next didn't. to me. I complained me. about the TV camera. You didn't complain about the racing. That's completely different. You were looking at that race, if, if I'm here, no, you were I'm... looking at that race like a, a, an endurance race 25 years ago. And, and as much as I love endurance racing, endurance racing 25 years ago, you had to make excuses for because it was an endurance race. This was a Formula One race where they're supposed to be side by side. What did you say to me? You said, what's the point of DRS? They could have... They could have actuated the DRS from Bologna and it wouldn't have made any difference here. There was no overtaking. There was no excitement. There was no side-by-side. Uh, 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 Until the restart, the contrived restart before the end, where... Why was it contrived? Someone, someone, there, was, there was a broken car on one side of the track and a broken car on the other side of the track. How is that a contrived restart? Because there's that's still not, no... That's, still not, no. A, that's not an Alan Gow safety car. That's a safety car we needed to have. Well, and possibly one that should have stayed out longer. So another we'll lap, because there's a problem uh, with the yeah. moment. But yes, fair enough. Um, anyway. But I, other than Kvyat... There was no overtaking. Yes, but you're now falling into the basketball concept. You're not scoring something every half at half a second. It's, it's not exciting. Formula One. It's meant to be exciting. It's meant to be side by side. It's not meant. No, it's not. You're not when meant has to be it waiting. Ever been side by side? You're not. You're not meant to be waiting right. for someone to take Hang on. three tenths so of a second longer in a pit stop to get a pass. So we have a right. The start was interesting. Whatever you say, because we had Verstappen getting past Lewis and Lewis having to. Uh, to work with him. We had uh, Bottas being hobbled. We had tactical work from Verstappen to try and get past Bottas. Bottas covered him. And then you had the situation where Lewis was trying to make the gap to get into the... Uh, to get the uh, which he did. Which he did. It was there or thereabouts. Then it went through. And then we had a, a period of stability before Verstappen went off. We then had a restart. We had all sorts of action at the back end. Uh, intertwining that with some, some appalling driving from the young drivers. Um, That's true. I personally think I think you, know, you can pick on some Formula One races being less. That was actually not a not a disinteresting Formula One race under any level, and it had a marvelous setting. Bad oh, I, no, no, that bad I don't agree with. That, that, that I don't disagree with. So, Imola I'm, is fabulous. It's just not suitable for Formula One. Not till we get two more. Not till we get the new regulations. Do they work? The the thing for me about all of these new stroke revisited Formula One circuits. So Portimao which is a circuit I think is great. Imola. <laughs> and by the way, Damon Albon, what's his name? Alex Albon. <laughs> right. Um, Was it all a blur? Yeah, very good. <laughs> he should lose his Formula One seat just for one comment this weekend. So, Damon. No, uh, still Alex. No, Damon, no. Uh, so, Damon, you, uh, you've raced here before. Yes, but it was a long time ago, and I've forgotten it. He's, how old is he? 23, mm. and it's Imola. You never forget Imola. I've driven it two laps in a borrowed Fiat 500, and I remember every single millimetre of it. Because Imola, I'm sorry. I've if walked. he gets binned at the end of the year, it's worth it just for that. I've walked <laughs> Imola. Yes. Have you forgotten it, Tim? Uh some bits have changed since I walked it because that was 15 well, right, years okay. ago. Um, yeah. So everything... Well, they just one chicane out. Well, they've taken the chicane out. And they've resurfaced another chicane in. Um, the pit lane entrance and exit have both changed. Um, the start line seems to be in a different place. 
and and they've resurfaced it well, even that, since I've that been there. That wouldn't change the, the walking. We experience. were trying to decide when I was last. The only time yeah, that I've been there. Yeah, we got very confused about when that was. Uh, ILMC, we think, but we we're not sure. We've been there a lot of times with a lot of different reasons, and I've done a lot of different jobs when I've been there. The times I've been there, but I've only been confused. there once. Well, that would be I 2011 think. for the ILMC. Yes, exactly. That's what I said. So if you went there, I'm now confused. I, no, I did. I was there. I'm now confused. Anyway, it was a great race. See, okay, it was a great words. race. <laughs> What Nick, do you want I to completely talk? agree. Thank you very much. No one Nick, believes that. Nick, I completely agree with you. <laughs> it was a great race. If only they could take out the Tamburello chicane to make DRS work. And I hate DRS because I hate the pass flap thing. But it absolutely... Yeah, but I think, you, again, you agreed with me. Pass flaps made no difference no, this No, I'm not, not, not going to try and turn around and go it was a great overtaking race in itself. But, you know, we just... It, it's, you know, it's visually interesting on the track. You wanted to talk about something else, Tim? Let's talk about Mika Hakkinen and Jacques Villeneuve. Who have they been having a go at this week? They've been arguing with each other. Oh, excellent. Were they arguing about who was the best driver in 1997? No, they're <laughs> arguing about who was the worst driver in 2020. Well, I go for Jacques Villeneuve. <laughs> <laughs> who do you think Jacques Villeneuve thinks is the worst driver in 2020? He's got a real down on Alex Albon at the moment. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. He says he's a terrible number two. That's a bit rude. Um... <laughs> Yeah, he does. He's 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 absolutely had a, a go. At not Alex not just this year, the worst number two Red Bulls ever had. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it, I don't think. Well, the problem is, is that there's a diff, there's a disconnect between talent and delivery, and his talent is high. His delivery has been exceptionally low, but it does appear that they've ma- that uh, Red Bull do seem to be able to destroy all their young drivers, with the exception of Danny Ricciardo, who, as we all know, has a ebullient personality that can perhaps survive the pressure, uh, neither Kvyat nor Albon nor Gasly has in any way thrived at the main team. Uh, what did Mick Hackenden have to say? Oh, I don't know. Who do you, I haven't seen the Mick Hackenden one. Who does he dislike? Oh, no, he doesn't dislike anyone, but he really likes Alex Albon. Oh, he really likes Alex Albon? Oh, OK. Um, he um, says he's um, only struggling his... because the car has been customised for Verstappen. He said a car setup which is too Verstappen-specific is the issue. Yeah, I think I think there's actually quite a lot in that, um, given the struggles that Gasly had as well, given the fact that the car has started badly on two years in a row and had to be adjusted around to make the car more stable. There is an argument saying good drivers can drive uh, multiple cars if it's handling setups, but of course Alex hasn't got a lot of experience. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's possibly a more cuddly statement that basically though Alex isn't doing the job he should be doing and he's also now got that terrible problem where his head's gone um, they was given another three rate the rest of the season wasn't he after being told mm. it was going to be a deadline this week this week it's now Helmut Marco the man who is obviously completely consistent all the time and never just says anything comes at the top of his head has decided that Alex now has the rest of the season my feeling that for that is probably because all the rest of the seats are nailed up so they know that they can wait to find out and then uh, they have the uh, the ultimate sanction regarding uh, whether they take Hulkenberg or Perez at the end of the season. Uh, what else did Villeneuve have to say about Albon? Um, he's not he's not good enough for tyre shoelaces. Um, even Craig Pollock could realise he wasn't any good. Patrick Lamare would give him a big spanking. He said he's only there because of his passport. Yeah, that's very unfair and not true. Uh, so you mentioned that... Uh, they're letting him uh, stay till the end of the season, um, and this is because 
Yuki Tsunoda. Well, he was always, I think he was always going to stay at the end of the season. I don't think that was ever a situation where they were going to replace him before season's end. It was just they were going to announce his replacement. Um, the, I, I don't think that they're always, I think, going to run the season with him. Um, but Yuki Tsunoda's done some testing, hasn't he? He's now got enough miles to do an FP1. Uh, he has, and then but he, he didn't enjoy the testing. I haven't read this. Why didn't he enjoy the testing? Was it wet, cold and nasty? Uh, no, it was too physically demanding for him. Especially on his neck. Well, that's he not said, a very good thing to say. My neck's pretty strong, but driving mm. in Formula 2, I don't feel much on my neck. No, this was a 2018 car as well. Blimey, they After I drove another Formula 1 car today, I found it pretty hard, especially in the braking zone and the braking performance. The braking power is more than I expected. I need a lot more practice until maybe the next session and next event to drive a Formula 1 car again. Oh, well, I, I, I think the Japanese, the Japanese obviously often speak their mind in a Japanese way, which to us sounds a little negative, but to them is part of their, their the way they communicate. Obviously, with Honda leaving leaving Formula One at the end of next Mm -hmm. season, um, why would Red Bull even want to take Honda's driver? Because Honda are still supplying their engine next season, and they obviously are also in discussions about selling the whole IP to them. So, uh, you know, it makes sense. And also, let's be really honest about this what else they're going to do? What other young driver do they have in this whole program that's supposed to be working? to promote they run Kvyat for the 103rd year what's the point you know he's not going well, he had a great result the weekend but on the whole he's not doing anything special who's the it's official kind of uh, test and reserve driver for Sebastian Buemi no it's not is it not who is it then it's Sergio Sete Camera is it yes for, for, for Toro Rosso sorry for, for Alpha Tauri for, for of... both Alpha Tauri and wow I have been literally under the impression the entire season that it's been uh, Sebastian Buemi I, I just now feel I should, should cover myself in tar and ashes I vaguely remember we did this story back in February or March and it was completely overshadowed by the fact that Formula One was then cancelled um, and yes. we forgot all about it um, <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah, I I had forgotten all about it, especially as I don't really rate Sergio Setti Camera at all either, so which kind of helps. <laughs> uh, who doesn't get enough credit, according to Lewis Hamilton? Uh, oh, I don't know, Valtteri Bottas. Correct. It's it's, it's the, let's hand out a platitude when we've won again. <laughs> who should have won races, according to Eric Boulier? Wow, is this like a current driver or a historical driver? A current driver. Is it Roman Grosjean? It is Roman Grosjean. Because Eric and Roman got on very well, didn't they? Yes. Um, much more so than, than, than I think Roman's got with other team people who've been in charge of him. But it's the French thing. Who was the uh, driver of the day at uh, Imola? Well, who was voted uh, as driver of the day at Imola? Raikkonen? It was Kimi Raikkonen, yes. It was Kimi Raikkonen for coming up from 19th to 9th or something. Um, but I don't really think that there was any. Yeah, realistically, the driver of the day was was the man who won, <laughs> or possibly Kvyat for for a good lap. I'm not quite sure why. Right? I mean, Verstappen got a load of load of votes again, just because apparently the Dutch always vote as a block. I mean, Max Verstappen I mean, could turn a up. Eurovision ex- expert. Well, so. exactly. Max Verstappen could turn up. Drive round in, say he's third, right, and he just stays in third the entire race. Does nothing good, nothing bad, just stays third, and he still comes second in driver of the day. Or, you know, literally, if they never showed a picture of him, he just trundled around in third, that'd be it. 
It's not. I mean, drive of the day is an, is is an example of, as we see many times, of why you don't let people vote for things. <laughs> mm. uh, where else? Oh yeah, uh, we were talking about uh, the safety car earlier. Yes, they left a ma- they left a marshal on the track, didn't they? Or a marshal hadn't cleared the track when they had the cars running round to unlap themselves. Which yeah. personally, I think, is a ridiculous idea anyway. Um, what they should do is make all the lap cars drop to the back of the queue uh, and leave them lapped because it'll take a lot less time and they've been lapped. And we don't need Lucky Dog in F1. So just drop to the back of the queue. It's much easier. You just everyone, you know, easier, of course, just let the cars pass any car who is not who is lapped behind them and they'd f- shuffle up and that would take, what, about four, like ten seconds? Um and we wouldn't have too much of a safety car. I have no idea why this lucky dog concept turned up, and it's just not any... And it just makes things boring and dull, and I don't like it. And finally, uh, who had a bad taste in his mouth after the race? A bad taste? Yes. Mm, I'm going to have a Kevin Magnussen because of his headache. Uh, it's Lewis Hamilton. Oh, yes, because he had to uh, drink the shoe, the shoe drink and the toe jam from uh, Danny Ricciardo. Yeah, I have no idea. He, he, so I think... Lewis suddenly got, got got kind of overwhelmed by good feelings and decided to be a bit of a, a funky sport for some reason. So, uh, yeah, obviously very relaxed at the moment. subsequently said it definitely didn't taste great. I don't really like champagne as it is, but it tastes worse. I think really no one's surprised by that. Oddly, I've never seen the top sommeliers of France recommend you drink a vintage champagne through a sweaty boot. On the positive side, uh, Daniel's mum thinks I was a good sport, so I'm grateful for that. <laughs> All right, uh, let's very quickly, uh, Go on. by which I mean 40 seconds per team, do F1 team okay. by team. Starting Go for it. at the back, as usual. Okay, so Alpha Tide, um, Pierre Gasly, great, great weekend. Unfortunately, his car let him down, and he ended up finished last. And with the news circling that Danny Kvyat is going to be dropped, well, basically Helmut Marco says he's going to be dropped from Alfa next year, he decides to put in a stunning two laps to go from seventh to fourth with a car that was very well suited to Imola. don't know, it might be because they had tested at Imola, unlike everyone else, and Kvyat got a fourth, which is his best result of the season. Espen Ocon did not... Pardon? He said Renault, sorry. Yeah. I thought he said go. <laughs> <laughs> Renault, Esteban Ocon also broke down the gearbox problem, which caused the shortest virtual safety car ever, and he is now officially on Lewis Hamilton's Christmas card list, but ended up in 19th and again has a problem, a bit of bad luck, stopped him from beating Danny Ricciardo, who got third again. And he lucked into third in the way when Verstappen broke down, but he was ahead of a train and he managed to do some excellent driving and also managed to have a bit of luck with uh, not stopping for tyres, when it seemed like everyone should, and came a strong second podium in three races for the Renault. The team, of course, he's leaving. Has. Uh, Kevin Magnussen um, managed to make a uh, the Sergio Perez's day by holding everyone up because he went long after being involved in the first first incident with Sebastian Vettel, which resulted in a bit of Vettel's car falling off. More of that later, but later on he had a gear shift problem, which meant he was getting thumped in the back of the head every time he changed gear. So he got a big headache and decided to stop, which is quite a good excuse. It means they have a new gearbox next time. Um, whereas his teammate Roman Grosjean came 14th, was classified, and I can genuinely say I have no idea what he did in the race. I don't remember him being on camera even once. <laughs> Max Lappen did a Max Lappen job. Great start. Well done, Max. Uh, got into second place. Tried the undercut. Didn't work. Then managed to get past the hobbled uh, Mercedes of 
Valtteri Bottas, so effectively did everything he could possibly do to get the best possible result till a damn tyre gave way and he was pitched in the gravel and lost a certain second place. Unlike his teammate, who did everything he could do to completely mess everything up. And despite having seventh, when he went after the restart, he had to get going again and he got and passed. And didn't by, get touched. Didn't get touched. Passed two cars and then spun on his own coming out of the Tamburello chicane and then did the thing you should never do, which is claimed he got touched by someone which produced a marvellous thing on Twitter where Marcus Ericsson thought he was being blamed again after that time when Roman Grosjean also did the same thing and blamed him. And it, held, and it was hashtag blame Ericsson. But unfortunately, Albon has written another uh, sort of signing again his, uh, his contract waiver for next year. Williams. Uh, well, dear, George Russell, who should have got his first point, instead got his uh, first smack in the barrier. Uh, interestingly, of course, if you look at Alex Albon, who everyone went, oh, God. Uh, George got nothing but support from uh, all the other drivers, including a very nice uh, message from Lewis Hamilton, Roman Grosjean, and uh, um, Fernando Alonso, who all said, never mind, mate, happens to the best of us, but he was inconsolable because he would have got points. Another 11th place from Nicola Latifi, who genuinely was dog slow entire weekend, but just trundled on, carried on going, super trundle man, Nicholas Latifi should be. Picked up 11th, didn't quite get a point. Racing point. Uh, well, Lance Stroll, basically, when you think he can't get any worse, um, he does. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. Sergio Perez, um, great run for Sergio. Qualified badly, worked his way through the, the pack, a little bit helped by the fact that he was running long. The people at the front who ran early got stuck by Magnussen, which meant when he came out, and he got up into fourth, which would be a net third. Then he came in, as you would expect, to come in to get some lovely fresh tyres in time for the, the last few laps after the safety car caused by Verstappen's uh, problem. Unfortunately, the safety car was two or three up short. Long, sorry, the safety car was two or three up short than you thought it would be because of uh, Russell's error. And he hadn't got enough laps to get past. More importantly, the tyres didn't get the advantage you could be. And once the tyre advantage was gone, which was about a lap and a half gone, you couldn't get past Imola. So he had to settle for sixth. But he had made his point. He's better than Stroll. Beleaguered Ferrari. Beleaguered Ferrari. Well, Sebastian Vettel, who has not had a very good time, actually put in a decent performance and then got it completely scuppered by the Ferrari pit crew who had put together the Keystone Cops of... Um, pit stops where they managed to get two of the four tyres wrong which is pretty impressive stuff even for the Ferrari uh, yes they mucked up the front left and then they mucked up the, the rear left um, yes left uh, back to back and lost a 13.1 second pit stop which was how because of how close the midfield was I think he probably would have got eighth well seventh seventh or eighth but he ended up being in 12th place Charlotte Claire did, did a Charlotte Claire job and outperformed the car to the fifth you know realistically Charles just needs a decent car and you, and you do very much wonder now Charles had a really good season and you kind of think is Charles or is Max the better driver both of them are, are, are performing at the limit of their car or outperforming their car obviously Max is getting the, the headlines because he's got that kind of buzz about him don't know if he's deserved or not he's doing brilliantly but he's been never been under any pressure um, and Charlotte Clare has done it under pressure last year because he was in Ferrari and this year again he's having a bit of a free ride because no one expects anything but uh, a good performance by Charlotte as well Alfa Mayo yeah, remarkable that they are so high up. Both score points, Giovinazzi in, and uh, Raikkonen. So they're celebrating their contracts by getting some points. Um, yeah, I mean, just just good tactics all around. Got got long long front run for uh, Raikkonen. Great start for Giovinazzi, and they managed not to make fall over anything in between and got double points. McLaren got double points. <laughs> Alpha Tauri, <laughs> uh, we've done them, haven't we? We've done them. Uh, so it's Very Mercedes. Well. That's Very Bottas. Champion Mercedes. Yeah, well, yeah. Let, let's let, we'll get to that. Valtteri Bottas, um, desperately unlucky because if he hadn't hit the bit of debris, he would have won. Oh yeah, but he hit the bit of debris, and then um, 
realistically, it's, it's hard to tell, but he was a bit moany about the fact that the car was, was not always doing the same thing every corner. Now, I'm not quite sure why that would be, because the bit of... It wasn't like the, the uh, bit of debris was moving about. It was stuck in the um, in the side pod, so therefore it was, it was a kind of pretty consistent lack of downforce. And he did begin to struggle with the brakes. He let Verstappen through, which was, you know, I'm not overly sure whether he should have done, but in the end it didn't matter because Verstappen broke down. Also, interesting, once they removed the debris, he wasn't able to find new pace either towards Lewis in his final six or seven laps. So possibly his head had gone down at that point, but, you know, he had had an unlucky time after a great qualifying. Uh, Lewis Hamilton showed the really important thing about being a champion and winning races is you need to snatch your opportunities when you can get them. Um, you know, he started badly. The Verstappen tactic of trying to go early to get undercut... Uh, Bottas played, his, played into his hands, but then he was one who had to go and make the time up and make the gap up, and he had to do it despite going through traffic as well. And even without the virtual safety car, he had actually made that, give or take half a second, and if it hadn't been the virtual safety car, he would have carried on going. So, yes, he was lucky. He was also really, really good again. He got maximum points, and basically they are the uh, construction for the seventh time, and it was never any doubt. Also, a Mercedes driver will now win the World Championships, who and the guy will have the initials LH. And, it just, and the other thing is, he, obviously, he also broke the win record again this year, this week, sorry. So he's now won 93 times. As he will keep doing. Yeah. And, uh, and so just to answer our, our tweeter early, we didn't necessarily address the number last week. We did talk about the whole GOAT conversation. I think it was more important because no. he'll continue breaking that record until he decides to retire, which may be in four races' time or maybe in three years' time. Uh, and finally, uh, Delaware County, Philadelphia. Oh, no. Different uh, <laughs> different race uh, altogether, though nonetheless important, uh, and some would say more important, and I wouldn't uh, disagree with them. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport <laughs> Series 15 episode, what did we say this was, 43. Okay. Uh, this week, we're at half-time. Midweek Motorsport, where John has just 48 seconds to tell you what's coming in the next hour. Now, is it really 48 seconds, or is it just 42 seconds? That's the question. At spec- 42, 41, 40. Well, well, you're already you're already five seconds late when you started that. Um, let's uh, remind you, you have got uh, the opportunity to contribute at spec your team. We've got Shea Adam, who'll be talking about lots of IMSA news. Nick will be back with some two-wheeled news as well. But next... In a week that's been absolutely thick with it, we're going for some calendar news. And you know, Tim Gray, mm, he loves, loves a good calendar. No, he really does. And we've got plenty of that next. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. Spot on 48 seconds. Uh, Calendar news then. Well, last week we revealed that Creventic were going to be partnering with IMSA for a 24-hour race at Sebring and we intimated uh, some of the things that would be on the uh, 24-hour series calendar without giving away anything really. Uh, And then just a couple of days later they did uh, announce their full calendar uh, for the 24-hour series 2021. Uh, earlier this evening, Ola uh, Dolman from Coventic spoke to John and first spoke about the effort involved in getting the calendar together. 
pleasure to, to be here and talk about our 2021 calendar. It has been um, quite difficult to, to manage uh, this calendar. I think we have um, achieved to, to get a great mix of circuits uh, across uh, Europe and uh, three races outside of, of Europe uh, into the calendar. So, uh, yeah, it, it all uh, looks pretty good in shape, a good mix of races. The big headline, undoubtedly, is right at the end of the season. Copa Florio back again, great, first, second and third of October. And then in November, about six weeks after that, a 24-hour race at Sebring, for which you've partnered up with IMSA. We're very uh, proud of the good cooperation that we had with uh, IMSA in the um, uh, designing of this uh, event at Sebring Raceway. For the first time ever, after our uh, appearances at uh, the Circuit of the Americas, we will also have a 24-hour race that goes 24 hours all the way. And that at uh, Sebring, it's it's quite a, a challenge, if you think of it, for, for, for any car to, to drive already the 12 hours that uh, IMSA is organizing there. We are we're very proud uh, to have the opportunity to race uh, at Sebring. This partnership with IMSA... How's that going to affect the the sporting regulations? Well, the the twenty four hours of uh, Sebring uh, are a race of the twenty four hour series uh, powered by Hankook uh, calendar. So um, it it works in a way we cooperate with with IMSA uh, also when it comes to the promotion side in in the states itself. But um, the sporting uh, rules. And, and technical regulations, classes accepted in the race, will all be according to our own uh, regulations. The IMSA teams are used to going down to the Florida heartland at that time of year, so you must be hoping that you will get a few uh, entries from the, the USA as well as the, uh, the usual great support you get from your, from your own competitors. In, in, in recent years, we've uh, already seen the great importance of uh, local U.S.-based uh, entries to the 24-hour race we organized it at the Circuit of Americas in Texas. With the 24 hours of Sebring, uh, we envision great anticipation from uh, from local uh, teams that, that will join us there, Excellent. from uh, the GT and uh, Touring Car Championships uh, across the country. Florida is, is a great place uh, to be uh, around that time of the year. We look uh, forward to the race at Sebring. It's, it's uh, adding a lot to our calendar. I look at this calendar and I see an awful lot that we are used to seeing. Starting off, of course, with the Hankook 24 hours of Dubai and then to Mugello in March, April for the 12 hours uh, of Spa-Francorchamps. Uh, 12 hours of Hockenheim Ring in May, then Portimao uh, in Portugal in uh, July. 24 hours Barcelona for the Trofeo Fermi Vélez on the first weekend of September. Back to Sicily on the 1st, 2nd and 3rd of October and then Sebring 12, 13 and 14 of November. So great because what we're seeing here, and we talk about this a lot, date equity. We see events coming back and people understanding what time of the year it is by what's going on in the calendar. What I'm not seeing here, Ole, is a championship of the continents, a championship of Europe. This is one championship for 2021 and that is a change. Yes, uh, it's it's quite a major change. Uh, in the last years, we organised separate championships uh, for Europe and uh, the continents with, with a certain overlap uh, in the European races. Uh, now we decided to go 
back to basics, back to where we come from and uh, re-include uh, the 24 hours of Dubai in uh, the championship calendar, uh, in the main championship calendar. And uh, that also adds uh, Sebring as the uh, grand finale in uh, November. We are very confident uh, that this step uh, creates a stronger bond between uh, the races in Europe and uh, the races overseas to, to motivate teams to participate in uh, the European season after coming to Dubai. And uh, of course, also teams from Europe to join Sebring at the end of the year. We want uh, to focus on full season entries. We do want to um, make our, our championship uh, stronger in the years to come and also promote the championship as a whole. Um, we have a lot of highlights coming back in the calendar with, with uh, races that we have established. A few uh, newcomers, uh, I would consider Hockenheim in, in Germany still a newcomer as yes. we had it under bizarre circumstances this year. True. Also the Coppa Florio with, uh, with great potential in, uh, in October in Sicily. It was a, a beautiful event. It, it was a, per, a perfect e event uh, to say. So the, the welcoming people of Sicily. Uh, we will have one drop result uh, ah. in the end next year when um, we have made this decision uh, just this week and basically it is even though we are believing that uh, Dubai is uh, going to happen and, and uh, we have a strong com commitment of a lot of teams that uh, will come to Dubai um, we see that the uncertainty that comes along with uh, COVID-19 travel restrictions is um, going to keep some of our regular drivers and teams away from Dubai. Mm. Um, the, the race is going to happen, but for those that feel unsafe at the beginning of the year, we have decided to keep one drop result uh, in the championship uh, for next year. I mean, fabulous. You've got this calendar out. It gives us all something to look forward to. Do you have to have in your mind, Ole, um, a second, third, fourth plan in case even by March or April we we still have some some issues coming out the winter. Well, well what we have learned this year is that uh, you got to be very uh, flexible when it comes to uh, yeah, very COVID nineteen the restrictions and um, measures that also need to be uh, taken to to uh, create a safe environment on on each uh, circuit. Um, we, we depend on, on um, teams and drivers traveling to our events uh, from all over Europe and all over the world. So um, there's a certain amount of flexibility we need to bring to the 2021 calendar as well, even though um, this is the main picture we, uh, we really want to focus on. Eight races, one championship. Ole, well done. Pass on our best to all the team. I will do so. Thank you very much, uh, John. Have a good evening. Uh, so let's take a look at that uh, Preventic calendar for next year. Uh, before we do that, actually, there's still one race in the 24-hour series this year, which is the uh, 12 Hours of Mijello. Uh, that take place, uh, takes place in just 10 days' time. And I believe there are still drivers available as well, uh, if anyone's interested in uh, doing a 12-hour race around uh, northern Italy. Uh, so the calendar for next year starts as uh, Ola said in uh, Dubai then they're off uh, to uh, Mugello uh, uh, they have uh, Hockenheim 
uh, Copper Florio uh, and Sebring at the end of the calendar, which is an eight-race championship. Uh, let's move on and uh, talk about some more calendar news. This is Asian Le Mans series. Oh, yes. Uh, which has changed its calendar once already for the 2021 uh, uh, season uh, and has now changed it again uh, due to travel restrictions. Uh, so I think this is quite... Four races... S- sorry, Tim. ...will now be run at Yas Marina in Abu Dhabi in February. On different circuits, though, which I kind of like. This this is a model that uh, Formula E has used quite well, and other series like MotoGP doing uh, and Formula One doing back-to-back rigs. Now, okay, it's four races, not two, but um, within a 20-21 day period, they're going to have four races at one venue. And one thing, what do we know about Yas Marina and Abu Dhabi, Nick? It's nice, but it's not a, what I was looking for. It's got for. a lovely pit lane that's always in shade. How about that? That's important to me. But, well but, but there's, uh, there are hotels yeah, it's, nearby it's a, it's within a, walking distance. Yeah, it's a very, very good condensed facility that actually works well in a COVID situation. You can certainly um, uh, convey it. The other thing to remember is, John, not only are they running different layouts, they're running different times of day as well. So they've, they're taking advantage of both the lighting that's available at Abu Dhabi and the lights, of course, on the car as well. So you will have, yes, it's not ideal, but it is a very, very pragmatic solution to the problems of, the, of where we are at the moment. You get a championship off, you get it off a grade one circuit, you have variety of... Well, of, people want to race, yeah, by the way. Exactly, you have variety, and it's it's accessible. Um, it's a reasonably um, COVID safety country as well. So it, it, it's a very clever solution to an almost unanswerable problem. Uh, and whilst many people, Tim included, might say it produces terrible races, which it has done for Formula One, we've watched some quality yeah, multi-class racing I there. Don't think, I think, I think it, it's, it, it's a weird track because if you look at the layout on paper, it should produce great racing. It doesn't in F1. That doesn't mean it doesn't in other classes. And certainly the racing we've seen at the 12-hour and, and, and other sport races has, has always been absolutely fine. So I, I think that actually is a F1-specific issue on the track. And, I, and I'm sure if anybody in F1 knew why that was, they would fix it in, and the Abu Dhabi team would fix it as well with a corner tweak. Where they can't, but you look at the layout, it should work, but it doesn't. And no one knows why. Perhaps it will in two years' time. Perhaps in new regulations, it'll be fine. That's a, that's a very good point. Well made. Anyone notice here... Uh, Nick's answer to your first question there, John, seems to be an advert for himself uh, to provide <laughs> pit lane reporting for the Asian Le Mans series. Unfortunately, now that Nick has a full-time job again, I don't think he can be absent, even with leave, for nearly three weeks yeah, in February. Yeah, it's two races over the weekend. You know, you can just alternate. Yeah, yeah, you know how it's always nice to share things out. I'll do, I'll do, Joe and I will do a couple, and then you can, you can have team, team B can do a couple. I think Joe's going to want to be there for three weeks. Apparently, well, he, the responsible he, adult oh, is taking so sealed bids yeah. right Don't now. Don't forget, Joe's got wings to pay for. Well, that's a very good <laughs> point. And congratulations to yeah, yeah. to Sam Burns and Joe Bradley, who got engaged last week, if you'd missed that bit. That was the biggest announcement last week. We, and we have left it till you know an hour and a quarter into the show, which is very remiss of us. It is massively, massively so. We didn't make it to pointless press release of the week, so no, there was there was, but that was because there was no press release. It Indeed. just happened. <laughs> Very lovely ring, 
and uh, congrats on both. And obviously, we'll be broadcasting. Uh, <laughs> yes, the, I'm going to live the stream live. the wedding. Yeah, we're going to what? I think we should live stream the wedding. I think I think Joe's Joe's going to go off the hooks later. Like, he has to wait till he can invite all his friends. So he can't have it. All the restrictions have gone. And goodness knows when that will be. Well, unless we live broadcast it. Nick broadcast yeah. it, and everyone exactly else right. Sitting there, Bradis. You're knackered now, mate. He's absolutely <laughs> knackered. So that was the. Uh, that's two. That's uh, uh, two sets of calendar news. Third calendar set news. Of calendar but news. Yes. Uh, involves the championship we've covered uh, quite a lot in the past here on uh, the Radio Show Limited Network. Um, and hopefully we'll be commentating on it a little bit more in the future because this is the Mazda MX5 Cup, which uh, has a new. Uh, organising body uh, that just happens to be IMSA. Well, it uh, goes back to IMSA, in fairness, uh, Tim, because it was IMSA before, wasn't it? Before they went over to SCCA and, and then to being on the IMSA. Well, no, that was the, uh, was SCCA who looked after it on the IndyCar well, Initially um, they did, but then they dumped SCCA. In, um, <laughs> right, OK. Um, which I believe we discussed quite extensively at the time. Uh, so their calendar starts uh, with a double header at Daytona International Speedway on the 28th, 29th, 30th and 31st of January. I recognise those dates. That's funny because that w- there is uh, some other IMSA races taking place at Daytona International Speedway <laughs> that weekend. That's right. That would be the Rolex 24 Daytona. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Yes. Yeah, okay. Then when's the next one? Uh, the next one is just five weeks later uh, at St. Petersburg in Florida, so literally just uh, crossing the state. Um, two more races there. This is supporting IndyCar at the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. Which is exactly what it did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and then they've got a seven-week gap before they head to Monterey, California, where they take Raceway Laguna Seca for rounds five and six. Uh, that's again that's an IndyCar, that's uh, IMSA series, yeah. Uh, and then it's just a three-week gap uh, before they go to Lexington, Ohio. The Mid Ohio Sports Car Course is another IMSA support round seven and eight. Uh, July the second to the fourth, uh, they return to Canada for the first time since 2014, I think. I remember commentating on that. We did that race. We did. She and I did that with a pair of binoculars between us. Uh, so, Canadian Time Motorsport Park, rounds 9 and 10. Uh, a month later, they are off to Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, for uh, another IMSA support at Road America. And then there's a two-month gap, a nine-week gap, uh, before the season finale, rounds 13 and 14, Road Atlanta. And Cher Adam is uh, on the line again with us now. Uh, you remember that... Uh, Canadian Time Motorsport race that you and I, well, races that you and I did together. We didn't have any TV coverage, so you were using your eagle eyes, and me being much older, I had a pair of binoculars looking out of, of of the boardroom, which is where we set up there at the final corner, and actually we could see quite a lot of the circuit, to be fair. <laughs> Hello, and yes, Hello. yes, I... I seem to remember um, Kenton Cook and maybe it was Robbie Foley who was involved oh, in that one. And I remember uh, 
somebody losing it coming over just before the braking area ended too. somebody looped around and there was a rather big accident at that point in the track and we could just barely see the flashing lights from where we were standing mm. it was a fun race and didn't somebody lose it coming out the, the penultimate corner and nose it into the wall right in front of us as well which is yes. which is one thing at least we we could see i mean this is i i think i'll be honest with you um not for me to to second guess uh, any manufacturer and, and where they go, but I've always felt that MX5 Global Cup has it would fit better with IMSA than it than it did with uh, with IndyCar. I, you know, we said it at the time. I, I'm I'm not sure where the fault lay, and you know whether there was fault on both sides. We don't know because we're not party to that. But look at the drivers who's come up. You've mentioned two drivers there, Robbie Foley, Kenton Cook. There are others who clearly are looking at at going through the road to 24. Mazda, back in the day, would have had the road to Indy as well. That has sort of, sort of disappeared a little bit. So there is uh, perhaps even... More of an emphasis, emphasis uh, on on coming through into the sports cars, and, and and let's be honest, it's fantastically entertaining and dramatic racing. The cars are great. They've now got the top class of the cars. Have now got sequential gearboxes, so not the H passion pattern cars that I uh, crashed, um, and. Um, <laughs> Uh, although perhaps there's a chance for me to crash another one um, uh, with the sequential box. Um, uh, you know, in some ways it just fits better with him this year. Oh, I'll be perfectly honest, John. I've been watching those races for the last couple of years ever been since good. IMSA, IMSA lost them. I put them on mute and I still do the commentary for myself and my cat. I mean, it, <laughs> it's just it's such a wonderful series that the drivers in it. They have the world in front of them, and they they do dream of racing at the Sebring 12-hour, at Le Mans, at the 24 Hours of Daytona. What a fantastic opportunity to be the support race. Uh, It's going to be kind of terrifying to drive an MX-5 Cup car around Daytona in the high banks, but that's exactly what you dream of. Yes, absolutely, absolutely right. Uh, Tim Greer has a question on this. Tim, what do you have? Didn't we put Jeremy Shaw behind the wheel on one of these, or was that something No, it was me. No, he did. He did a um, a VW Jetta oh, yeah. TDI. Right. Yes, you you drove these. That's right. I didn't race one. I tested one, and I did really well until I didn't, uh, which was the <laughs> last, literally there. the last five minutes of the day. Well, if you want to have um, another go at it, yeah, I mean, it's mostly places where you're going to be already. Yes, apart from St Petersburg, and yes. you can win two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I don't think they're going to put me in for the full season. I think I might be a bit busy. The Global Mazda MX-5 Cup presented by BF uh, Goodrich Tyres Road to 24 scholarship. I'm very very happy to go and do it again. This time, I I, I would quite like not to just test. I would like to have a race because I I was quite pleased. And, and, you know, I'm going to say this. I was quite pleased with myself at Road Atlanta where I'd never driven race car around before that I, I didn't embarrass myself and in the test I was pretty well up the field and I was running with three or four guys. Unfortunately a race broke out at the end and we were running three or four or five of us together when I should have come in when the tyres were going wrong uh, and that's when it all 
went bad. Uh, but I, I would quite like to race one and see what it's like to race one rather than just test one. Uh, and and but and, and I'm 25 kilos lighter than I was then, as well. So in that car, I think that would make quite a big difference. So if the opportunity arises, that'd be great. And and we're working very hard at the moment with Mazda, with IMSA, uh, and with the Mazda Global MX-5 Series to try and bring you some live coverage of that uh, on radio and, and streaming as well at 4.20.21. We'll give you the full details on that. Shall we stay with IMSA? Uh, and, and more contemporary, we're well, looking forward to IMSA there next year. Yes. Uh, Tim, shall we stay with IMSA I think there's loads of IMSA news times? this week. But Huge first, amount of IMSA news. Uh, oh. I'm going to ask Shay to take us back to last weekend uh, and give us a result of a race that we don't yet have a result of. <laughs> okay, well, we've got two races that changed after the checkered flag and after our audiences left us. Uh, the first of those was post-race tech for IMSA. Let's start with the big one with weather tech. Um, the four car was disqualified because they failed the post-race ride height check, which meant that the four car, which finished on track in the third position, was moved to it's sixth place, yeah. which, which meant that for Corvette Racing... They win the drivers, team, and manufacturers championship because their second car was moved to the minimum amount of penalties. There's now a 35-point gap between first and second for the drivers. It's over. It, it had to be between the two Corvette uh, drivers, uh, two Corvette cars for the drivers. I, I, I do, I do have a question about this, Cher. Yeah. How unusual is it? And I, and I ask this. A genuine open question. How unusual is it that if you fail post-race tech, you get demoted rather than disqualified on something um, like ride height? That is the typical IMSA protocol. They they move the car to the back of the class if it's found to be outside of the technical um, parameters. And our proof of that, our most recent example, was actually Paul Miller Racing being disqualified for a fuel infraction of BIR. So this does happen more common than not. And ironically, they finished third in that race too, whereas the four finished third. Um, but both cars moved to the back of the class. It's a substantial penalty for the four car because they're still fighting for second in the championship with the 24 BMW, who as a result of this, sit one point behind them going into the final race at Sebring. Uh, and, and that, of course, takes them out of the driver's championship as well. So, Correct. Uh, although I might arithmetic was slightly wrong when I called them across the line. Um, actually, huh, I was predicting the future <laughs> and I only know yeah. I should have put the lottery numbers on as well. Um, before we, we leave WeatherTech, um, a, a race of several parts. Uh, we had uh, a couple of yellow flags, then a long green flag uh, period there and the championships in... Uh, it, we wrapped up actually the sprint championship, of course, in in GTD, which is most important. Yeah, the sprint championship's done. That's Aaron Hillis and Jack Hawksworth. They could still win another championship, as far as things are concerned, for manufacturers for Lexus. They're still in it uh, in a very tight fight with Acura, as a matter of fact. Um, and Aaron does still mathematically stand a chance of taking the GTD championship, but that will be more difficult because, as a result of the '86 Meyerschenk Racing Acura winning the race, they now have a seven-point advantage over the 16 Wright Motorsport mm. Porsche, who have a one-point advantage over Aaron Tielitz. So for Aaron to come through and win it, a lot of misfortune would have to happen to both the Acura and the Porsche. 
but it's a long race. We'll see what can happen. Um, championships in GTLM, it's over. Antonio and Jordan are the champs. They have won the championship. Uh, Patrick Kelly, as a result of starting the race for LMP2, is that this year's champion for that class. Um, and then in DPI, the 7, which is Elio and Ricky Taylor's car, leads the 10, which is Ranger Van de Zanda and Ryan Briscoe, after the latter were battling electrical gremlins all weekend long yes. and managed to drag their car home to 6th place. It basically means that it's those two, but then there's this guy in the background named Pippo Durrani, who's won Sebring three out of the last four years, who mathematically still has a shot at the championship. Um, and then you factor in Cadillac, one point over Acura. It's going to be a very interesting race. Do you, do you get the sense after WeatherTech Race Wheel again is saying there's still a bit of bad feeling between Acura <laughs> and uh Wheel and Engineering Cadillac, because we saw, frankly, an extraordinary and, and very unusual Elio Castro Neves move in FP2, for goodness sake. FP2. This wasn't qualifying. It wasn't the race. In FP2, Philippe Nasser came out the pits. Some people have said he brake-checked uh, brake Elio. I'm not sure where that was to. He was penalised with a drive through Nasser for a pit lane uh, infringement coming out the pits, but we never really got any more than that. It could have been crossing the line in a couple of places there. But then Elio just drove into him. Now, being charitable, we could have said, and, and Jeremy did, in fairness, he may have not wanted to drive into him, but he certainly wanted to intimidate him. And he, if he did, he misjudged it massively because he absolutely yeah. nailed the middle of the car onto the front of the Cadillac, and actually, it was self-inflicted damage because they missed the whole of FP2 for that. This is uncharacteristic for Elio. This is not the Penske way. I mean, what you know? Have we seen the end of that? Do you think, or will that rumble on to the end of the season at Sebring? I, I would like to say it's over. That these gentlemen are far more professional than that. That they're. Uh, a former Formula One driver and a three times Indy 500 winner. Uh, these are not um, youngsters in go-karts mm. getting angry at one another, but that's definitely the behavior of the cars Great. that we have seen out on the track. Sebring tends to be a place that can bring up those insecurities amongst drivers and cause people to act out on emotions that they perhaps hadn't already been feeling. If we get a situation where the Acura, which um, historically has struggled at Sebring during the 12 hour long race, it has yeah. been a. And the Cadillacs very, have been good. And the Cadillacs have been good. And the 31 has won the race <laughs> earlier in the year at Sebring and the 12 hours last year. Good point. I, I worry about some sort of um, action being taken out on track do, where something happens. Do, uh, what, what really struck me was even when. Juan Pablo Montoya captured pole position as the 31 was driving past him as he was getting out ready to do his pole interview. He gave it the stink eye. And it's like, oh, hang on, it's not just one of the cars. It's both of the, the Acuras now. And they, they clearly feel aggrieved still about what happened at Mission Raceway Road Atlanta. Make your own mind up about that. And, and what happened in FP2. And I'm not sure... If I'm honest, 
that this is healthy. No, and, and I would agree. Um, but there's also the factor that both um, that both of the Acura Team Penske cars are not going to be running next year. They will be running, uh, the chassis will be running under new teams with new drivers, we expect. We haven't heard who the new drivers are going to be. We've heard rumors abounding about who those drivers potentially could be. But it's expected that both of the 31 drivers will be coming back to their ride. So there could be a little bit of bad feeling toward that as well toward the fact that here's two guys out of uh, we've got 16 in category and 13 are looking for new jobs and both guys in that one car are fairly secure. So it's, it adds another layer of um, malice towards them. Uh, The other results have come in as well. You you mentioned that there was uh, a couple of results that changed. You mentioned the, the Corvette. What was the other one? Uh, the other one was in the Lamborghini Super Trofeo series. At, at the end of the race, when Brian Till was going to call the results, everything on the timing screen changed, yes. which was very confusing because we didn't have pit lane penalties that we were expecting to influence stuff that much, to be blunt. We knew that there were a couple coming. But the cars that finished on track in the, I want to say, first and third positions mm-hmm. were ultimately moved to the back of the class because they did not serve drive through penalties. Now, we didn't know about this at the time during the broadcast, and we only found out later by digging a little bit around for it. But what happened was that two of the cars on the final restart had jumped before the line. Now, you're not allowed ah. to pass before the line on a restart. In so this wasn't, this wasn't the usual thing of uh, pit stops being under-timed. This was a jump from the restart. This was particularly for Brandon Godovic and for Stephen Agacani. They passed cars before right. the line at the restart, which is a big no-no. Race control called the penalties, and neither car came in to serve it on track, which meant that they then had 29 seconds added to each of their times, respective of where they crossed the start-finish line, which ultimately meant that Stephen Agacani, who was looking at having a really good weekend, clawing some points back alongside Jake Edson into the lead of Madison Snow, wound up not finishing second for two races in a row, but he wound up finishing sixth. So it was. Yeah, that was. So that was we should say penalty. this was a late race restart. So of course everybody's close yeah. together. So a twenty-nine second penalty is a huge disadvantage. Well, and it was made even worse because he crossed the line after he he crossed the checkered flag after another one getting a penalty. So then, of course, his 29 seconds added on meant that he didn't finish third. He then finished sixth because the guy who got the penalty and finished fifth (laughs) ultimately crossed the line first. So it wound up being a very interesting sort of um, thing to play out. But in that Super Trofeo Championship, we now have Snow with 15 points over that car, the number six. In Pro-Am, Corey Lewis and McKay Snow lead by 18 points over Leo Lamellis. So if they start both races, they win that championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Victor Gomez the fourth, unopposed for the AM championship. And Randy Soleri has 22 points over everyone else for LB Cup. So if he starts both races, he wins that as well. Uh, and Tim has other 29-second penalty news. Uh, yes, from the other side of the world. Uh, the oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Michelin the Mon Cup, yeah. Uh, title decider uh, saw um, some twenty-nine second penalties being applied there. Right um, to whom? Well, it was uh, Matthias Kaiser who crossed the line first, but didn't win. Uh, so Colin Noble 
who knew about Keisel's penalty, um, more than Kaiser appeared to, uh, inherited the win. Uh, uh, and then the penalty was applied afterwards, um, dropping the 26 and 98 cars, uh, mm. which is uh, Ligier, the 98, um, to 7th and 8th on the road. But meanwhile, back in uh, Imzerland. Yes, exactly. Let's <laughs> skip back there. Let Please keep up. We'll be asking... Uh, uh, asking questions and hope if, hopefully you'll be being uh, no no I like the 29 second symmetry very good yeah very good there was uh, a separate incident which involved a 56 second penalty but I'm not going to talk about that uh, and that's not even twice 29 so no th that's fine no. uh, that's absolutely fine um, uh, before we move on to looking forward uh, in him so let's take a couple of tweets at Specutainment. Uh, Kevin Payne says, well said, Shea. They aren't youngsters in go-karts. Very disrespectful behaviour. Uh, and I, I think we all looked at that. I, I, w I mean, it's FP2. For goodness sake, what was what was going on? Uh, Ian McCarthy uh, talking about the 24-hour series. The professional within the Creventic series only matched by their much-needed optimism going forward. And I hope dearly that 2021 goes to plan as their work is very much appreciated. The calendar is mouth-watering, uh, he says. Alan Prosser says, um, for the Asian Le Mans series, is the responsible adult taking sealed bids or stuffed brown envelopes to see who goes? I cannot possibly discuss the uh, the negotiations going on responsible adult. I would or say we don't actually... No, absolutely not. No, I, I would say we don't actually cover the Asian Le Mans series yeah, yeah. at the moment. Also, but considering the amount of anti-bribery courses I've been on the last couple of years, no. Oh, okay, <laughs> fine. Cayman Island account numbers. This exactly, right, yes. I, right I, turn. Well, the Porsche Cayman Island. Properly, don't know. Yes, Porsche Cayman. <laughs> uh, abs absolutely. I want to live there. Is there a better-looking grid of cars in a single-make series than Lamborghini Super Trofeo? Great racing, probably the fastest single-make series around. Magnificent track, and really enjoyed the coverage from Brian Till and Jeremy Shaw and the rest of the team this year. And I um, agree that because there isn't a bad livery among them. Any no, there isn't one-make championship. You have fantastic. someone who Look. turns up with an absolutely hideous car, and Lamborghini Super Trofeo. You don't seem to get that. I don't know. Now listen. The Italians have to vet every design. <laughs> now, it's called Chris Ward. Yeah, Chris Ward, who is the Brit, expat Brit, who looks after that in the States, is uh, is very assiduous on who's allowed to come and play. Now, you know how much I like my flat six Porsches, particularly if they're air-cooled. But the V10 5.2-litre Lamborghini, un-turbocharged, I have had that engine in a couple of Audis down through the years and uh, in an S6 and an S8 and an RS6. No, the S6 had it as well. Didn't it? Yeah, it was a just a detuned yeah. version. Um, well, actually, not as highly tuned as the RS, <laughs> yeah. uh, in fairness. I've also had it in an RS6 mm -hmm. as well. Did we were on the Nürburgring? Uh, no, we didn't. Oh, no, so we didn't. No, no, absolutely not. We no. absolutely didn't go around. <laughs> sorry, no. I, I, no. I, this is, it was, I, no. So that, that was a weird nightmare I had. Sorry no. about that. A Fiat Toledo, Nick. Uh, <laughs> yes, or a van. It was a rental car. It was a van. Um, that is a brilliant engine, as much as I like the Bentley V8 that Nick's got in his RS7. Um, uh, add spectatorment if you'd like to get in touch more. Talk, please. Uh, Sheer. 
let's look forward. Uh, it's, uh, what, a couple of weeks' time before we get to the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring presented by Advanced Auto Parts. Uh, entry lists are out. And what can we see? Where would you like to start, Shell? I'll give you the choice tonight. As, as you know, your, all of your countrymen have had a, uh, and women have had a choice uh, in the last couple of days. In fact, the last four weeks, let's be honest. So um, it's your choice. Well, and if you haven't voiced your choice, then I don't want to hear any complaints. Certain people That's who right. live in my household. Um, so we've, we've got support series. Hey, I'm allowed to be caddy. People mm. don't vote. Um, we've got 18 cars for the GT3 Cup Challenge. That championship is effectively over for all three of the classes uh, Kingsley, who has done a remarkable job this year, basically only needs to start the race, it's Jeff uh, the Pinkley, first yeah. race, and then I think he's good. Um, Alan Metney, I'm pretty sure he has Masters Championship wrapped up, although Charlie Luck has been doing a I was going to say, Charlie looks had a fabulous run in the last, what, three or four races? Yeah, and um, Kurt Swearingen has an 18-point advantage, and given that there's only three cars in the class mm. for the race, uh, the races next weekend – Pretty sure that that is said and done, too, as soon as he starts one of the races. Uh, Super Trofeo, since we were just talking about that beautiful grid, we've got 17 cars there. Five in Pro, five in Pro-Am, just two in Am, which is still better than we've had most of the season, I'll be honest. Mm. And then five in LB Cup. So that's a lot of Lamborghinis that we're going to get for the two races on Friday. For Michelin Pilot Challenge, this is where things get a little bit complicated. So before they do, I'm just going to say... We got the announcement today. TGM is coming back next year. Oh. Yay! Uh, well, well done to Chad Giovanna Sport Sport, and of course one yes. of our one of our uh, favourite sons, uh, Owen Trinkler uh, from Nashville, who's been with us on a number of times in the Hagerty Global Broadcast Centre for IMSA. Um, that, we're waiting to hear the, the full details on that, but that's that is good news because we, you know, they they stepped away because Ted. In fact, I think on this show, didn't he, came on to tell us that he was concentrating on on helping out with the COVID cr uh, yep. crisis and and modelling and doing algorithms for that and and therefore putting, I mean, not unreasonably, racing seems a bit mm, second division compared to that. But that's really good news, Shea. Yeah, I agree. And they're coming back with the Camaros again, so it'll be nice to have uh, two more of those on the grid too. I'm I'm really excited to welcome them back. But before we get to next year, we've got one final weekend, and we've got 36 cars wow. for that weekend. Yeah, 24 in GS and 12 in TC. Oh, that's good now, news. We've got a lot of big uh, stories in terms of people returning. Indy Donchi. And um, Mr. Ellis, Philip Ellis, Phil coming Ellis. back yeah. to join Inward Racing. So that's good to see. Automatic bringing two of their Aston Martins. Mm -hmm. LAP Motorsports running the Mercedes again. They did that at the six-hour or petite. They did it at one of the weekends. Uh, M1 is back once again, not in the McLaren, running the Porsche for the final race of the season. Ian Lacey Racing is running in a Ford. We've seen them run pretty much only at Daytona. Um, Marco Signoretti is coming back in to race this ah. weekend with Seb Prio. He's the young Canadian who ran with, um, oh, who was it? No, it was Multimatic at Daytona yeah. back in the four-hour race there. Um, we've got Stephen Cameron racing back with the BMW. Copeland has brought their Hyundai back. Remember, they ran so strong at their debut, the Petit Le Mans weekend, finishing second. 
Atlanta Speedworks bringing another Honda back into play. AOA Racing with their little Audi. I'm super excited to see that car back again. And a new team, Vanderseer Racing. They have brought a Hyundai as well. So six Hyundais total for the race next weekend. That's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah. in that championship, the 60 for Core Motorsports and GS, they have 15 points over the 39 Audi. The Audi came in this weekend. They knew they had to win in terms of keeping their championship defense alive for Carbon Autosport. That's exactly what they did. Because the championship leading car finished in third position, they were only able to trim the gap five points. But with the 15-point gap and with 24 cars in the field, it could wind up being a nightmare weekend for the 60 if they have any sort of trouble Issues. at the start of the race. Yeah, exactly. Exactly and, right. Uh, and then TCR is Sorry, go ahead. Too. Yeah, go on. Uh, um, in TCR, Gabby Chavez and Ryan Norman, as a result of their win, have four points over their sister car, the 98 of Ryan, uh, no, Mike Lewis and uh, Mason Felipe. So that is going to be a really enticing battle, too. I love the way you do this with, completely without notes and you do that. I know you're doing this completely <laughs> from what's in that planet's eyes. Brain of yours. Dave Alcock says, given that there will be a show of the year, might we have an engine of the year used in racing? V, v, uh, v, V10 5.2 Audi stroke Lamborghini versus Bentley V8 versus 6.2 by Turbo uh, Mercedes V8. Might we also say the by Turbo AMG 4-litre engine as well which is uh in a couple of amgs and the aston martin as well i think dave that you might have hit on something there and we might have a new category the engine of the mm. year but nick obviously will have the amg uh 1.6 v10 v10 v8 what are they v4 is he still with us it's two a, cylinder it's a six cylinder 1.6 yeah 1.6 v6 with lots and lots of Stuff. Energy recovery, both Stuff, by um, heat <laughs> and by uh, curves, to use the word. So we can't the really the call it engine of the year. We'd have to call it power unit of the year. Well, that's what it should be anyway, but, these days. But surely, ICE of the year is going to be the Bentley 4-litre V8 twin turbo. That's a road engine. Which is in their GT3 cars. Well, in which case, I'll, 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 I'll vote for that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I do, I, do you know what? It's a very good question, and I think it's... I. I I probably wouldn't think that the engine of the year is, is any Formula 1 engine. I think there are, perhaps seven years ago, they were engine of the year. And now Do you know what are, I would put up? They're going to be a bit of a dinosaur now, to be honest. I think, And, and mm. they're actually causing more trouble than they're, they're, than they're serving. I think yeah. they're great, and I, I'm not, I don't belong to the they're old super school. They're not efficient. noisy enough. And, no, let's be and honest, the 50, they're super yeah, efficient. And they're fabulous engineering examples, but the world of 2014, the world of now, is very different. And we can't, unfortunately, currently going to wait to 2026 to get some new regs, which I hope are a nice up and down the engine with a simple hybrid system to make it still produce the power but make it and, and then go biofuels for the greenness well, biofuels is the way to go for F1 because they've got unlimited money so that that's where that's where then it's green they can all it, forget about it it could that's where they could push massive amount of technology I read something transfer. today but the biofuel burn take more energy to produce than they provide no because they're, 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 they, they, they at the moment at the moment anyway, possibly but the biofuel just, yeah, just you know the, when people are being negative about F1 one of the things they talk about is the emissions and they talk about all well, that fuel they're burning do you know it's 0.07% of all the emissions in F1 is from it comes out the exhaust pipes of the car correct because but it's everything else and how many times have I said this and been laughed at? Which is why when they go carbon neutral, they are actually they are taking into account all the planes and everything, and that's when they plant all the trees. So much like Formula E, F1 is carbon neutral, but it's all about perception. Sorry, now, carry on. Uh, 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something here that might sound a bit odd given my proclivities <laughs> for streetcars and endurance engines. My engine of the year mm. would be the Audi four-cylinder uh, WTCR stroke TCR engine. That is a street car engine that can do up to 60,000 kilometres before you don't rebuild it, you throw it away because it's not worth rebuilding it. Chris Renke told me this when I was at the Nürburgring 24 hours when we were talking about TCRs. And that obviously is the same engine that is in the Cupra and the Golf. And is there anything, any other VHG project in TCR? No, I don't think so um, at the moment. Um, so all the same. And effectively, that is some of the ancillaries are a bit different, but the engine block and all the running gear in that engine is a road car engine. And I find that extraordinarily... Uh, that makes me happy in a bizarre sort of backwards engineering way. Anyway, that's something for the, the show of the year. Uh, let's get back to uh, Shea Adam, who is uh, looking at the Mobile One 12 hours of Sebring entries. Uh, let's go to IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship next, which is the big show on Saturday, remember, as it will be. Um, we've got plenty to fit in before then. Shea, what have you noticed on the entry list there? 31 cars, Ooh, which is a good. really good turnout. We've got the eight that we're used to in DPI and the six in GTLM. But the other two classes are pleasant surprises. We've got four cars for LMP2, so the endurance turnout. In that category, we have uh, the eight for the Tower Motorsports, which is Starworks. David Hennemeyer Hansen rejoining that car. He ran with them back at Daytona. Mikkel Jensen and John Ferrano once again. The Performance Tech crew is a very different looking group. We've got Don Yount, who does run with the crew every now and then. But then Guy Cosmo, welcome back, Guy. And Patrick Byrne, who's the one that he drives with frequently in... Um, whatever World Challenge is called now, um, GT America, I want to <laughs> Don't say. ask me. I feel, I feel terrible not, not knowing that, but SRO of America's. Um, but Patrick Byrne is somebody who Guy has worked with for a very long time, so that's exciting to see them making a step up into LMP2. We've got uh, in, as once again, the 51 is running. Now, that's the car that we're used to seeing for Inter-Europol. Um, that is Jacob Schmikowski, once again, with Naveen Rao and Matt Bell. So they have changed teams they did run the endurance race at the six hour, but I think that was with performance tech, I want to say. Or no, it was Matt, uh, Jim McGuire and Matt Bell. So Matt changing teams and changing uh, bronze drivers. Then for the 52, which is the champion elect, we've got Patrick Kelly. He's already won the championship. Simon Trummer, who has won the endurance cup. And then Scott Huffaker once again. So that's a good category. GTLM has an interesting tidbit because there's no third drivers listed against the Porsches. What? And there's a rumor abounding that they're going to do it with two drivers. No. Now, you can, in the rules, you can. Yeah, no yeah, driving yeah. any more than four hours in any six, but you can do the Sebring 12-hour with just two drivers if you're in the pro classes. Why is this interesting? Because, obviously, I've just said you can do it with two drivers. The 31 Whalen Engineering Cadillac has elected not to do the race with just two drivers because their third is off doing WEC duty. They've drafted in Gabby Chavez to Oof. that car. But we do have a two-driver lineup so far. The Banana Boat only has Stephen Simpson and Mateus Laced as far as that car is concerned. So still waiting on a third driver there. Then GTD. 
this does get interesting. Um, and I didn't actually write down how many cars were running in GTD on my little notes. So let me pull back up the entry list. And we have 13 cars in GTD. Sorry, it took my nice. computer a little moment to step up. Um, no FAF, which I'm surprised oh. and disappointed. I thought they were going to come back down and run Sebring. I want to see my friends from Canada. Um, but we do have Grasser back. They're running another Lamborghini. It's um, no uh, Richard Westbrook because he's off in WEX. So Frank Pereira has come back and joined that team. Lexus swapped their third drivers. Mm. So they've put Kyle Kirkwood into the 14 and Michael de Casada back into the 12, whereas they ran the opposite way around for Petit Le Mans. Um, Pierre Kaffer is joining the 30 hardpoint racing Audi alongside Andrew Davis and Rob Ferriel. That's going to be a lot of fun. One of the biggest stories of the week. Welcome back, Joey Hand. He's filling in for Alvaro Parent in the 57 Heinrich Racing Acura. That is awesome. I wow. really, really miss Joey. Yeah. Um, and then Mark Miller is joining Riley Technology once again because Ben Keating, again, WEC, comes into play. So Mark Miller is going to be back in the Mercedes once again. So that will be fun alongside Gar Robinson and Lawson Oshenbach. Now, this championship, yeah, we've already talked about the points overall, but we also have the Michelin Endurance Cup, and that really is still up for grabs in two of the classes. Ranger, Van de Zanda, and Ryan Briscoe have a five-point advantage over the 31. That's good. Um, but it is losable. So the 31 can come through and take it. Jesse Krohn and John Edwards have six points over the 911. Again, that's good, but they can lose it. And Paul Miller Racing, if they finish third or better in any one of the stints, they win the championship. Thank you, Cher. That's uh, a couple of weeks away. We'll uh, get any more details next weekend. Uh, Cher, thank you very much for joining us. Stay safe over there and uh, just breathe. All right, just keep breathing. Okay. Okay, don't boo. I'll try. Don't boo, Fort. Remember? Oh, no, too late for that. <laughs> All right, see you later. Bye. Cher Adam joining us from the United States. Oh, and she's gone. Uh, United States uh, at the moment. Uh, Tim, you have a related story there? I do, because the evening 12 hours just happens to fall on the same weekend as the uh, Bahrain 8 hours, the final round of the FIA Yes, as she mentioned, yeah. World Endurance Championship, which means uh, drivers who do both can't do both. And also, yeah. there's a round of the uh, GT World Challenge thing um, possibly. taking place, possibly in at, France. At Ricard. 1,000 k's um, at Ricard, yeah. Uh, and there are drivers in common between the, that series as well. So, we don't know what's happening with GT World Challenge. Uh, but the WEC entry list uh, does not have a Matteo Cairoli in it, just in case he's uh, racing at Paul Ricard, uh, and he's been replaced with a Jörg Bergmeister-shaped driver. Right. Just a Jörg Bergmeister-shaped driver, not actually Jörg Bergmeister. It might be the real one. All oh, right, okay. Uh, the real Jörg Bergmeister. The real one, the champion one. Still. Yeah. Uh, Dempsey uh -huh. Proton... Uh, uh, have two cars still, but one of them, the 77, no longer has a Matt Campbell in it, and instead has a Dennis Olsen. Yes, because de because presumably Matt Campbell has been drafted in to go and do IMSA. Yes. Right. The 88 car has Khaled Al-Kubaisi uh, yeah. alongside Marco Holzer. Oh. 
I, I do feel if I could travel and actually get to any of these races with me helmet and me race suit, I You'd would have probably. A chance, yeah. I, I think, Nick, in fairness, I'd probably have a half decent chance of getting a drive. If all the races that are supposed to be on next weekend are actually on, you'd have no issue whatsoever. <laughs> Unfortunately, you have an issue. Is you're stuck in Thrapston. Well, well, and also, and also the responsibility on all of them. On on one, two, or more of them, the responsible adult <laughs> is not giving me the weekend off at any stage. Because if they all happen, it's all hands to the pumps, uh, isn't it? But mm. um, uh, that, that t- veteran, sorry, go ahead. That veteran driver of all series is the third driver in the eighty-eight car, which is TBC. Um, ah, so you could replace him. No, um, I, I, or her, he, or her, because uh, he always it. seems to lose his budget right at the last they. minute. Um, yeah, I've got in they. The um, um, golf racing car has lost Andrew Watson. He's uh, off to Paul Ricard. He's been replaced mm. by Alessio Piccariello, the newly crowned uh, GT champion in the European Le Mans series after winning at Portugal at the weekend. And in the 98 Aston Martin, Augusto Farfus becomes Richard Westbrook. Uh, and finally, the cool racing oracle has uh, disappeared completely. So there's only 28 cars on the grid. Which is still a pretty... Actually, let's be honest, I'm not going to criticise any series that's got more... I, I said anything above 20 at the start of the season was good. Tw- anything above 25 was very good. Anything above 30 was absolutely extraordinary. So for the WAC to still have nearly 30 cars, Nick, for Bahrain at the end of the season, when it means actually not a lot to the vast majority of and, those cars. And they've lost there. all the P1s apart from Toyota's. They've all decided not to go, which would have been three cars at the start of the season. So that would have been 31, so it's not bad, is it? No, very good. Very good. Johnny Johnny Palmer will be leading our commentary of that in a couple of weeks' time. Now this uh, weekend, we should have had the final two rounds of yes. the Green Langstracker Seri, but they've been cancelled. Most of the chagrin of uh, Bruce uh, and Snowy, who would have been commentating on them. This yeah. is down to current uh, regulations on social distancing and travel within Europe. So we have champions, Tim. We do. The title goes to Christopher Rink, uh, Danny Brink and Philip Lyson. Dominated the V4 class over the course of the season. Shouldn't that be Brink, Link and Dink or something? Somebody doesn't rhyme there. That means that next season the number one car will be their BMW 325i. Uh, winning the SP10 class is the last year's overall champion, the number one BMW M4 GT4 with uh, Florian Naumann, uh, David Kriesner, and Yannick Fubrich. And in SP9 class, uh, SP9 Pro. Yeah, uh, David Pittard uh, of Welcome Horse well Motorsport um, on his own the BMW M6 GT3 I think there were races where he had different teammates yes exactly right uh, he's the only one who did all the races in that car well done well done him have you noticed a connection between those three uh, all BMWs all BMWs mm, they've had a a uh, um, I've had a fantastic Bloody season in the uh, <laughs> in the uh, <laughs> Seri, which means that next year they'll be BOP'd uh, out of competitive. Uh, all so contention. If you want to uh, win next year, pick a different. Buy a car. Porsche. 
Yeah, get a Porsche. Uh, right, very quickly, two wheels this weekend. We're off to Valencia. First of two races, yes. Big news is that uh, Valentino Rossi still not testing negative for COVID, despite having been initially diagnosed nearly three weeks ago. He's still got the whole thing uh, running around his system. Hopefully, in the next couple of days, he so will... So is that a Yamaha short, then? Well, yes and no. Uh, this time they will. Re- uh, they are rumoured to be replacing him. Oddly, not with their quite well-known test driver Jorge Lorenzo. It's also a Valencia expert. He's not replacing him. I think mid rumours he's going to Aprilia as their test rider. Uh, it's going to be theoretically Garrett Gerloff. Who he? Oh. You say he? The person who no, had a no. very good end to the season in World Superbikes. The American S- rider, super American rookie in uh, World Superbikes. Uh, a bit headstrong sometimes, well, think, uh, and, and doesn't yeah. doesn't take any. SH1T, does he? He's had his elbows out. He's taken a few people out. He's, he's traded a bit of paint with people. But you've got to say, he's been quick. That's right. He'll be in the works. Yamaha World Superbikes race uh, team with... Um, very interesting to see. Next week. How, yes, yeah, sorry. Um, very interesting to see how he translates over to the MotoGP bike. I think it would be an interesting transition, but quite yeah, difficult. So quite difficult. Because he's been... I think he came, he came from four strokes in um, the States as well, didn't he? Superbikes. Yes. Uh, you are Mia. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> Lita bikes. Uh, Suzuki, Johan Mia ahead by, uh, what, 14 points from Fabio. Yes, Fabio, indeed. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I did that the wrong way around. From Fabio. Quattararo. Thank you. And then Mavi <laughs> Vinales, another five further back. Franco Morbidelli refuses to count himself out there. Uh, despite the fact that he is, what, 112 to 137. He's he's a full win uh, behind. Davizioso now pretty much out of it. Just because he can't get on with the the tyres, so he's not going to suddenly have a, a comeback. Is this me? Is, could could Mia win the championship no, without winning a, a yes, race? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. He's tw- he's twelve points ahead. Sorry, fourteen points ahead. Everyone else without winning a race. So, no reason why not. Three races to go, of course. Two here and one at Estoril, isn't it? Was it Portimao? I can't remember. Portimao. It's Portimao. Yeah. Um, Quattararo on the the Petronas SRT Yamaha. Yes. Um He needs to get his head back. He's been riding. He, I, I think, think he's I been think riding he, a bit. He he's been. Talking Tense. up Valencia, so I think he's happier about Valencia. I think he had an issue with Aragon. I don't know who he was. I think you're right. I think his head wasn't happy about Aragon. Uh, Moto 2, of course, at a different part of the season with Moto 3 because they did actually start their season mm-hmm. early on in the uh, in the Arabian Gulf. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Sam Lowe's leads by seven points from Enea Battistini. Luca Marini uh, is a bit further back than Bezecchi. And still... Uh, uh, Jorge Mar- Martin, uh, Martin a little bit further back in Moto 3 it's Albert Arenas by oh plenty of points actually 20 points 19 points for Ayagura from Honda uh, then Celis- uh, Celestino Vietti Yaume Messiah and uh, I-, I, want, I just wanted to notice how far is Tony Abellino back he is 121 to 157 remember Abellino had to miss two rounds, not because he had COVID-19, because he sat next to somebody on the plane. He got tested and traced. And he wasn't allowed to leave Italy. Well, that's I think he should have been given an average finish for those races. Well, I really that's do. That's an interesting question. It's a kind of a can of worms. I can't say I necessarily disagree with you, but it's just too difficult to do. And I think and mm. liable, given the 
value of winning a Moto3 to end up contested at the Court of, Human, uh, Court of Arbitration for Sport? Uh, before we leave, some news of uh, some sport we have at the weekend it's, with Race of Remembrance. It's the virtual Race of Remembrance, yes. which uh, you and I will be covering, I think, starting at 9 o'clock on Sunday. Correct. Uh, break, with, break, of course. With the most important part, the break at quarter to 11 of Remembrance. The, uh, which Nick, will be, I'm so pleased you said that. That is absolutely right. That which will be live. Um, a real live people. It won't be a virtual service. It'll be live from the pit lane at Thruxton. Correct, and I um, think that's been confirmed this week. So that will happen. Obviously, there were some issues around distancing, but that will happen. If you want to enter the virtual race of resemblance, of resemblance remember, if you resemble that, uh, year one uh, racing, uh, who doing it on iRacing? I linked it on my Facebook. Did you? Because we are taking part. The uh, RSL uh, Porsche will be out there. Joe and I, plus our two teammates. Three classes. Yes, you've got uh, the fastest class will be the Radicals, which, which are very quick. That's our rates as well. GT4. They're a bit unwieldy, those, though. They're very prone to damage. So if you've got people who aren't particularly au fait with iRacing and they start getting bangity-bangity, those things will be in the pits for a long time. Middle class. Is GT4, which is us, the Porsches or the BMW M4. And finally, the of course, staple of both the full-size race remembrance and the virtual remembrance, the, um, the global, as you were talking about, global Mazda MX-5. Yeah. Um, so those, I, I, but yeah, there are slots. It's fifty pounds to enter, plus well, minimum fifty pounds to enter, plus a donation, which is obviously a donation to the fabulous cause. Um, there are, there were a good few slots left as of this morning. I'm sure some have gone. Uh, there is a practice on Saturday, so you get a couple of hours practice on Saturday with the car. It's fixed setup as well. So if you're worried about, oh, I haven't got time to practice, I got some kind of dynamic setup. Effectively, it's arrive and drive in a virtual world. Excellent. So, so it's right and off you go. Everyone in your class will be exactly the same as you. They'll have exactly like the same that. car. And if you are a bit of a paint meister, there is also a livery competition, which personally I think we're going to win. But that's nothing to do with me. I didn't do the, pa- didn't do the livery. <laughs> but we're not bigging up our car. <laughs> no, but I'm not big. I didn't say we we're going to win the race, did I? So we win the livery competition. It's, I have reality in my mind, John. It's all <laughs> about. It's all about. The visuals, love. It is. It's it is all about the visuals. It is. Uh, Nick, who's who's in the team with you? Uh, myself and Joe, and then our, our regular racing partners, Darren and Matt. Okay, so brothers. Also, can I just say on a genuine point? Even if you're not interested in virtual racing, um, tune in for the service because it's one oh. of the most. Um, I did it live two years ago. We covered it for a, a live stream. We unfortunately I couldn't do it because of the following year, and it is one of the most moving things you will ever experience. Particularly if you know any of the chaps, the blokes, or the and of course the, the charities had a, a very bad week anyway with with the loss of their um, yeah with Merrick. Merrick yeah so it's a point, it's a very poignant week both in remembrance and both obviously with this difficult year we've all had and of course a lot of the work they do is to help um, ex servicemen who are struggling mentally and they can't have helped this last year so I think we all need to to back it it's, you know and back the, the appeal and back the race yeah totally agree. Uh, Tim, earlier on tonight you talked about uh, one of our magazine shows tomorrow. Indeed, and there is another one, and Richard Crail's going to tell us all about it. Aussie Formula One hopeful Oscar Piastri is our special guest on the grid this week as we also delve into the Adelaide 500 cancellation issues in what is a packed show. Piastri joins us just a few days after his first experience behind the wheel of a Renault Formula One car. Talks about that at length, plus his dramatic victory in this year's FIA Formula 3 Championship and where his career heads next. We then delve into the Adelaide 500 news that has shocked the sport in Australia with an in-depth look at how it came to the point of being cancelled by the South Australian government. The insiders and the man that broke the news are all on the show. 
It's a massive program. It's on the grid on RS1 Thursday nights at 9pm UK time. And finally, just to prove that we are live, uh, tonight's results were 2-1-1-1-2-1-3-0-0-3-1-4-2-1-3-2-0-3-2-1-3-2-1-3-2-1-3-2-1-3-2-1-3-2-1-3-2-1-3-2-1-3-2-1-3-2-1-3-2-1-